Hello everyone, this is episode number 143 of the Classic Gaming Podcast. Today's date is April 7th, 2020. I'm Robert Ring, and with me is Jay Totoro. Hello, sir. You alive and well? Uh, yeah, so far, this is uh, the second episode of our of the, uh, of the coronavirus age, and yep. um, everything's going good for me so far. You doing okay? Yeah, it's just kind of a bizarre time to live in, I mean, in the simplest form. Yeah, quite. Uh, nothing really new has happened between this one and the last episode besides just everybody's still at home, <laughs> working from home, or just chilling out at home, and uh, that's about it. Um, yeah. Like you it said, when we were talking a little bit right before, you know, a few minutes ago, uh, like for you and me, we both really don't mind being at home. Uh, yeah. a lot. So really in that bad, I would like to be, I would like to be able to get out and like get a little exercise or something. I can't do that's, that right now. Yeah. I can't do that because of the uh, pollen and I have terrible allergies. So I actually am literally having to stay inside. Uh, you know, I can like step outside to grab the mail and stuff like that, but I really can't go on walks even or anything. But uh, I, I mean, honestly, it's not really bothering me too bad. Just besides, I just, I'm starting to really feel out of shape and that's about it. That's literally, I was, today's like the first day. I, I, so rewind a little bit. So I got pneumonia in early February and then I went to the hospital and I came out. And before that, I was out for a couple of weeks with, you know, being sick and stuff. And I was like, I stopped exercising at that time. And then it was like, as soon as I got to the hospital, I started my routine back up. And then, you know, within two weeks, I think, or three weeks of being out of the hospital, the coronavirus started picking up. And then it was like, all the gym shut down, my work shut down. And it was like, because like, I'm a very routine based person. So it's very difficult for me to just like, be at home and then be like, oh yeah, I'm going to exercise. Like that sounds great. So I've been going for a lot of walks, but that's it. Like it, it, it sucks. It's very, I know, I know exactly how you feel right now. Today's the first day where I really feel like I need to start doing something or I'm going to start like getting out of shape very, very quickly. Yeah. Which really sucks. Yep. It sucks a little bit. Feel kind of like crap. Just like, yeah. I know when I start working out again, I'm just going to like get tired as shit within five minutes. I know. I hate that. The, the first couple of days are just brutal. Like you're just like, <laughs> I don't want to be here. This isn't fun. My body's super tired. It's like you have to like push through and then eventually your body's like, okay, let's do this. Like I'm, I'm back. Like this is going to be fun. And you're like, yeah, there it is. But until then it's like, fuck. Yep. I hate that feeling. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's coming at us eventually. I know. Um, but, uh, yeah, but like I said, I mean, all things considered, I really can't complain. Uh, you know, no, Nothing bad has happened to me, or at least not yet, and uh, and I don't mind being inside. So that's we have it a lot better than than than, than a lot of other people. Yeah, and I'm very I'm, I'm I'm very happy. I mean, my my job's been really good about it. I will say they took longer than I would have liked to transition over to home. Okay, um, they waited till the day that the state of emergency went into effect. And I just recently got promoted to a manager within my company, so I have this brand new team. And there's not a lot of people in the building at this time because, you know, more and more people are starting to dissipate and start working from home. And I had to remain calm and be very consistent and just like not stoic, but that's probably the best word to do. Just like very, you know, consistent. Like I can't show emotions. I'm freaking out. Right. And it's like uh -huh. I'm trying to make sure that I don't give that fear to my team members. And at this point, I'm, I'm overseeing other teams because their managers aren't there. And I'm trying to help their employees because they're scared. 
And it, it was, that Friday was hell. It was like I came in, I had a meeting at 8.30, and it was like we got the call. It was like, yep, where everybody's going home. Everybody needs to get their computers and get set up and get out. And it was like, okay, how do we organize it so that we get incrementally people out of the building? And then I step outside, and everybody's like, did you hear? We're all leaving. And I'm like, somebody, somebody did the exact opposite of what we were told to do. Everybody's freaking out, so – yeah, it was a uh, it was pretty rough. I mean, and now it, it's definitely better now, and I'm happy that my company is taking it seriously. Yeah, and they're doing a lot of things to try and mitigate financial loss right now to ensure that they maintain uh, employment for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But I think like a lot of companies, they're at that line right now, which is really sad. I think I think throughout all this, we're not even at the beginning of the economic impact, and I think a, a lot of people are going to be damaged by, it, which is really sad. So yeah. I, I really hope I'm wrong, but it's a crazy time, man. And I still can't fucking find toilet paper, by the way. <laughs> it's, it's, been weeks. Weeks. it's been four weeks. Every time I go, they're completely sold out. That's in, that's ridiculous. Hey, I'm getting a little bit of uh, of echo from of me. Echo? Yeah. Like I, I can have hear... on no speakers. Here, let me try turning you down a little bit. Hello? Yeah. That Is might it better or worse? I think that fixed it. Okay. Let me know if it happens again because I have headphones on and you're not that loud. So okay, I need to order a new headset. And by the way, if anybody has a suggestion for a good headset that they actually really like, let me know because this headset, I loved it for a long time, but it is a piece of shit. I've got a pretty – well, okay, sorry. I take it back. Mine is, mine is just headphones that I was going to say. So that's probably not what you're looking for. Do you have like a standalone mic? Yeah, that's what I use for the podcast is a standalone mic and standalone headphones. Yeah, I have um, I have a standalone microphone that I could technically use. That's a good call. But like yeah, if, I'll try, I need to order a new headset. I really do. It's like a brand new headset. It's just a piece of shit. Like that's what's so crazy about it. Well, anyway, whatever you just did, I think fixed it. Okay. If it gets worse again, let me know. Will do. Okay. Well, let's talk about news. We have yeah. we have a good amount of news again. Sounds like you got I'm something. Excited. I do. You wanna do you wanna go or you want to save it? Uh, it's up to you. you. You you tell me. Let's let you go. You never get to go first on news. You always bring up the bring up the tail. All right. So first off, I, I bought. Uh, so you know, I obviously talked about Gloomhaven nonstop for however uh, pretty much every episode. So I bought the the Steam version of Gloomhaven, which is really good. It's really fun. It's an early access. Um, it's like twenty bucks, I think, and it, it's just really good. It's it's a great um, translation of the board game or uh, into a virtual form. Uh, which is fantastic. It's not fully developed yet. Obviously, it's an early access, so take with it what you will from that. Um, so there are still some issues with it, but for the most part, it's fantastic. reason I bring up Bloomhaven is they announced sometime in March they were going to announce the Kickstarter for the expansion called Frosthaven. And Fro- I've been super pumped about this. Well, you for- said, the way you said Frosthaven, this, then I, I swear I thought you were saying prostate. <laughs> oh, prostate. Yeah, prostate. Uh, so it's it's called Frosthaven, and it's the so they they are doing an expansion to Gloomhaven, and what it is is essentially training wheels. Essentially, it, it's a more simplified expansion for okay. people who don't want to play a hardcore board game. That's essentially what they said, which I was like, that's total bitch shit. I'm not doing that. Uh, <laughs> and and then they said sometime in March they were going to do a Kickstarter for their new one. I was like, fuck yeah, like I'm super excited about that. And then they said, hey, we're going to delay it because of COVID nineteen. And I'm like, fuck. They delayed it a week, a week. Oh. Like who cares? It was a week. <laughs> so. They started the Kickstarter, uh, today is day seven, so it's been a week. Uh, day one, so they, their, their pledge amount is $500,000. Okay. Guess how much they had day one? $100 million. 
Go close. No, I'm kidding. Uh, they had, around, I think it was $3.5 million. <laughs> Today, they're probably going to break $7 million. Damn. They are 14 times their ask. Yeah. Needless to say, uh, I backed it, obviously. Um, yeah. So I'm su- it, it looks incredible. So the, the guy who designs, his name is Isaac. I, I don't know how to say his last name because I've never actually heard him speak before. I think it's Childress or Childress. Uh, he has been a part of a number of board games, but Gloomhaven obviously is probably my favorite board game of all time at this point. It was exactly what I was looking for at the exact right time. Super complex RPG strategy, you know, type stuff. Uh-huh. Um, but this game, it's a full brand new game. It's the same thing as Gloomhaven. So it's this massive box. I mean, you're talking, we're talking like 50 pounds, probably. It's a massive box, tons of components to it. A uh, lot of depth, story building, brand new characters, new content, ca- uh, content that's locked until you progress a certain a certain amount of the game. And with how much money that they've made, they keep adding more and more and more to the game because they're like, you guys keep giving us money. We're going to keep adding content. So they keep adding more shit. And if you back it, which I did, excuse me, hold on a sec. The worst timing. Um, if you back it, which I did, then you obviously get access to, to more shit. Um, but needless to say, it comes out next year in March of next year, which I'm, I'm very excited about. They're very um, they're very active on the Kickstarter. They post an update almost every day, just talking about um, you know how excited they are, how you know impressed they are with everybody who's backing the game, and blah blah blah, and all the stuff that they're working on. They're also doing to to introduce some of the new characters and the new mechanics. They keep posting these puzzles where it's like, hey, here's this new character based on its abilities. Um, figure out this battle like you have to win this battle in three turns or you have to survive for five turns or whatever it is and it's really cool because it introduces you to these new characters and what is they i I can't believe it because when they when they finish gloomhaven i think there's 17 classes in gloomhaven right you have things like uh sorceress which is just your typical mage you have a tinker which is like the support character that can do crazy shit you have the brute which is just your typical warrior um and so on and so forth in the new one i was like how are they going to come up with brand new characters like they've they've done They've done so much development on characters. Like, what kind of new content could they do for this? Like, mechanic-wise, right? Because there's only so much you can do in a board game. And they did it again. Like, the, the character <laughs> designs are so interesting. The The characters that they've released so far, I think there's five or six. There's a drifter, which um, in Gloomhaven, you basically build a deck, right? So you, you before the battle starts, you choose based on certain parameters to say, I want these nine cards. These are my nine cards. Each turn, you select two cards. Uh, to use as your turn, and then you use the top half of one and the bottom half of another one, because each card has a top half and a bottom half on it, right? So you get to choose. Uh, so when you're when you're ready to play, you say I'm ready on my turn, and then you say my initiative is whatever because it listed on the card. And then on your turn, you choose to do the top half of one or the bottom half of the other, and you can switch. Uh, you don't have to necessarily. So if you queue it up thinking you're going to do your left card top action and your right card bottom action, but then somebody moves, you can do the top right action and the bottom left action. So it's very versatile, and there's a lot of strategy that goes around it. So the Drifter has all these cards that are very interesting because they're buff cards. They're constant cards. So when you put them into play, they basically stay on you and they give you different effects. The reason in typical Gloomhaven, um, the reason these cards are are kind of looked down upon is when you run out of cards. So let's say you have nine cards at start, right? And you each turn use two. So after four turns, you only have one card left. So what you do is you declare, I'm going to take a short rest or a long rest, and you shuffle your deck and you lose a card permanently for that dungeon. So when you don't have, when you have those permanent cards in play, when you shuffle your deck, you have one less card that you're shuffling back into your hand, which means your overall mana or card size goes down by one, in this case two, because you have a constant effect in play in addition to 
the card that you're losing for doing a short or long rest. So this character, I was like, wow, that's really rough because generally this car, this character is going to burn out super quick. But they added a certain mechanic to it to make it more powerful and to balance it. And it was something that I never thought they could do. They also added a character which Lisa wants to play. Um, I can't. It's called a Geminate, I want to say, and it's this two-headed creature that consists. It's just the creature is formed by a shit ton of bugs, right? It's just a thousands oh, cool. of bugs that create this two-headed creature. So what did they do for the character design? The, the, uh, the actual card or the deck, it has two decks. So you play with one deck, and then when you do certain mechanics with that deck, it allows you to switch to the other head. And then you take that deck, you set it aside, and you put the other deck in. And then you play with that deck until you use the mechanic again to switch back to the other deck. And you're basically shuffling between these two decks, and it just adds so much more uh, to the class. The other class, which Hunter Hunter's going to play, my, my close friend, he, he wants to play this class called the Blink Blade. And the Blink Blade, instead of having one top action and two bottom half actions, it has six actions per card that you can choose from. So on a given turn, you have a million different options. And the Blink Blade, the whole mechanic with it, it, it can decide to go fast, meaning it can uh, basically use chrono te technology to go very quick or to go very slow. And when it goes slow, it basically has weaker turns. And then when it goes fast, it has more powerful turns. And there's certain currency that goes into play, uh, or certain resources that go into play to, to allow it to do it. So even with the 17 classes they designed in the first one and all the creativity that went into it and the verse, uh, the verse, what's the word I'm looking for? The diverseness of it, or the, the diversity. Diversity. Uh, diversity, thank you. That went into all the, the character design of the first one, they still were able to do it again in the second one. And we've only seen five or six classes so far. And there's a bunch of classes that are going to be locked until you purchase the game, own it, and then obviously start working through it. Um, the content looks great. The story looks great. They, Because I kickstarted it, they actually are giving you access to all these audio files that are done by a professional, um, pers professional, what do you call it? Somebody who's going to narrate, a professional narrator. Um, so they like basically narrate all the, like a voice actor in essence. I don't know if they actually are a voice actor, but it, it, they're just somebody who specifically did it for this. And I listen to some of them. They're really cool. So essentially, whenever you're playing, before you queue up, because you go through, you have this large book that kind of gives you the background on each, on each quest and blah, blah, blah. You can play the audio instead of having to read through this book, and it's you know professionally narrated, which is great. I mean, it just adds more depth, more elements to it. Um, so, uh, needless to say, obviously, I backed it. I'm very excited for <laughs> yeah. I backed it at the highest no level. Surprise there, right? So the game's 160 dollars uh, retail price, and then uh, there is a an organizer that you need for it. Like not need, but it, it's it's kind of one of those things that once you buy the game, you really want an organizer for it. And I got one for the first Gloom Maven. Um, so if you buy the, if you back it at the fullest extent, you get the game plus all the extra content and the, um, and the organizer that is all compiled into one. Okay. And so I, I was like, Lisa plays with me. So I was like, do you want to just buy this and split it? And she was like, yeah. So um, we ordered it. I'm very excited. I'm, I'm looking forward to obviously a year from now, but what's so fun about it is I'm still playing Gloom Haven even now. I still haven't gone through all the content of Gloomhaven. And I've had it for over a year. It, it's such an expansive game. I love playing it. I love introducing it to people, especially people that are into like D&D &D and complicated board games. Because like people tell me, like, I really like complicated board games. And I'm like, I've got a game for you. And then I find out they like to play some shitty board game. And I'm like, fuck. <laughs> I, thought you were, I thought you were cool. I'm just kidding. Uh, but yeah, I'm very excited about it. I, I cannot wait. Um, I encourage you guys, if anybody's interested in complicated board games, take a look at Frosthaven or Gloomhaven. Gloomhaven will probably go on sale again because of the fact that they announced the expansion. Generally, when games announce expansions, they, they obviously uh, reduce the cost of the initial ones. So very, very excited. I thought about 
getting Gloomhaven at one point because me and my wife and daughter play a lot of like actually good board games. Uh, yeah. But then I was like, it seemed like it would be a nightmare with all of the pieces, like getting it out whenever we want to play and all that kind of stuff. Like, I just don't know if yeah. it's going to, that one's going to work. It, it is. And I will say like, that is my least favorite part about it. So generally when we play, I, I would say I'm the DM and I'm doing air quotes. You don't really necessarily need somebody to be the, be a DM, right? Because the AI functions on its own. You just have to move the pieces. Um, but getting it set up, organizing the rooms, you know, coordinating everything. Cause there's a, there, there are a lot of moving parts to this. Uh, I would encourage you if you are going to play this to make sure to have somebody who is competent enough with this in order to support you. Because if you try to do it all yourself, it's like getting all the pieces out, organizing the dungeons, setting up the AI, doing the turns can be just a little overwhelming. So generally it's like Lisa will handle initiative. So she knows the turn order and she tries to keep the, the game moving forward. I'll control the AI. Hunter and Zach will help us to build out the board and the maps and stuff. So there, there's a lot of moving parts to it. I would say if you can get people there, it is the highest valued board game I've ever played. I've put more time into this board game than any other board game uh, in, in my history. I mean, I've played hundreds of hours of this game. It is is well worth the investment if you actually have people that are committed to it. Well, it damn. Is, it's ridiculously fun. Yeah. So the Kickstarter is still going, so people want to contribute to it. They can. Yeah, it's, I'm literally watching the dial go up right now. It's at 6.7, almost $6.8 million. Right now. <laughs> it's, supposed to, yeah. it's supposed to be uh, delivered next year sometime? Yeah, March. Yeah, they actually have like their timeline of everything. Like They sent out... Um, Excuse me. They sent out some trials to like big YouTubers and stuff to review it and stuff, and the reviews are very good right now. Um, this okay. one is a little bit more expansive because you can actually like build up your city and stuff. There's like actual physical pieces you can build, which is great. Um, so people are reviewing it so far, and it just looks fantastic. Let me see how big this image is. Is Gloomhaven on Steam? Uh, is it multiplayer or not yet? Thank no. you for mentioning that. Oh, that picture's so small. Um, not yet. So it is an early access. I thank you for saying that because what I did purchase it knowing that it is not multiplayer. I've been playing a lot of single player, mm-hmm. uh, but the multiplayer once it does come out, I know a number of people that are going to play with me, and I would love to to play with you as well. Yeah, I'm, I may I may jump in and go for it if uh, like once it comes out. Yeah, I think they said quarter two of this year. Okay, so it should be oh, any so, time now. Okay, cool. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, let me see. Let me see if they've released it. Oh, yeah, I'm not seeing anything on the Steam page for it. I'll go. I'll go ahead and start going with other stuff. And uh, you, you no, chime in. If, you, oh, I'm here. Uh, this says. Oh wait, no, never mind. Yeah, you chime in if you uh, if you find anything. But uh, okay, so that's awesome. Thank you for the uh, Gloomhaven Frost Haven update. Yep. Now on to classic gaming news. Uh, where to start? Uh, E3 stuff. We talked about E3 a little bit last time. How it was canceled for this year. Uh, no surprise there. We also talked about how um, we wondered, you know, there's the question of, is it going to end up surviving Yeah. Uh, past this? And there are two things that have since happened that are not making it look good for E3. One was that E3 had planned on doing a uh, some sort of digital press conference instead of, you know, the, the obviously in-person one that they normally do. And now they've said that they're not going to do that either. I don't think they've really said Ouch. why, but they've said that that's not going to happen. Um, uh, actually, there here is a little bit of a of a quote. Given the disruption brought on by the COVID-19 pandemic, we will not be presenting an online E3 2020 event in June. 
Um, so I don't know why they previously thought I don't, I don't like nothing's really changed between they, between now and, and then. So I don't know why they yeah. changed from doing it to not, but anyway, that's what they say. Uh, instead we will be working with exhibitors to promote and showcase individual company announcements, including on, uh, e3expo.com in the coming months. We look forward to bringing our industry and community together in 2021 to present a reimagined E3 that will highlight new offerings and thrill our audiences. Don't yeah. know. If- uh, <laughs> yeah. Good luck with that. Uh, I actually, after you and I talked about that last time, I was doing some. Re- I was doing some reading, and there there is a lot of speculation that these kind of shows, especially E3, this will probably be one of the last years of it. Yep. Especially after everything that's happened this year. So I think you were right on the money with that. And along with that, uh, well, not along with that, but also recently, and this may have been today, I don't remember exactly when this came out, but um, Xbox has said basically that next year they're only going to do digital press conferences. So uh, that's also not good for, uh, I'm not sorry, at Microsoft, you know, Xbox slash Microsoft. Uh, they said that they're only planning on doing digital stuff, digital conferences next year. What so, about BlizzCon, Robert? so that <laughs> I don't care too much about BlizzCon either. So, uh, kind of a do? kind of another blow to E3. Um, so you know, we'll see. I don't really, ha- you know, I, I'm not like, <laughs> yeah, they need to die. But I also am not like, you know, oh. This upset about be, it? Yeah, I'm not upset about it either. Uh, so I feel I feel yeah. pretty neutral about it. I also feel pretty uh, pessimistic. I just don't. It just doesn't look good for them. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Um, let's see what else we got. Uh, star. Uh, this is kind of random, but Star Wars Episode One Racer. Do you remember, did you ever play that on Nintendo 64? I think it was Nintendo 64. No, like a pod racing game. Yeah, yeah, it was a pod racing game. It's uh, it's been released on Switch and PS4. Wow! So if you like, th- I actually remember kind of liking that game. I think it was honestly uh, pretty solid. Wow! Uh, I haven't played it since it came out, so I could be way off. You know, maybe I just liked it, but maybe it wasn't good. But I, I do remember liking it, and I do remember having like you know good things about it and being a really solid game. You could like upgrade your pod racers and all this kind of stuff. So. uh you know, they, they put in more than just the bare minimum on it. So, uh, it had a pretty it's good, working. <laughs> so, um, I don't know that I'll necessarily pick this up, but, but I will say, I, I do remember liking the game. I think I remember the box art for this game, but I don't think I've ever played it. It had a pod racer on it. Yeah. That sounds about right then. <laughs> That's what I was guessing. Uh, let's see what we, what else we have. Uh, okay, we talked about the Mario Lego set last time. Oh, yeah. couple more details about that. Not much. They haven't really uh, explained entirely yet how, how it works. You know, I, I told you they gave, they kind of showed it being used, but there are clearly some, there's clearly some sort of, like, game involved. Um, the way you, like, bounce Mario around on the set. And, you know, they didn't, like, go into details about how that works exactly. And that still seems uh, like it's kind of, uh, they haven't really said much about that yet. However, today they did announce that the base set is going to be $59 and it's coming out August 1st. And uh, so there will be like other little add-on sets that you can buy to, to add on to the little Mario level that you're making with the Legos. And uh, I also saw a picture uh, somewhere on Lego. I, they might They might have deleted this because... 
I had trouble finding it again. And one page that I went to said like, oh, sorry, there's nothing here. Um, but at one point I also did see a picture of Bowser's castle, a Bowser's castle part of the set. It wasn't nearly as cool as you would think like, oh, sweet Bowser's castle Legos. Like that sounds badass, but, um, it wasn't really like that. It was more like, oh, here's the section of this little game that is kind of meant to resemble Bowser's castle. Uh, so for me, I still don't think it looks all that cool, but, um, it does definitely look different and they're, they're trying something new with it, which, which I appreciate, but regardless, it's coming, uh, the base set's $59 coming out August 1st of this year. Uh, we have a mutual friend that ordered, ordered it, by the way. Huh? We have a mutual friend that ordered it. He posted it on Facebook today. Oh, do we? Michael Malott. Mal- I don't remember how to say his last name. He used to work with EG with us. Oh, 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 I know who you're talking about. Uh, yeah. Cool. Okay. Let's see. I, uh, back to Xbox. Back to Microsoft. Well, this isn't really classic gaming related, but I'm kind of jumping all over crazy anyway. So, it's all right. Um, the Xbox Series X, their new Xbox, is uh, Sorry. just still so stupid. It is fucking stupid. <laughs> it's ter- it's a terrible name. It's like the only way they could have made their naming conventions worse was to name it this. Yeah. Yep. Like. I swear the next one they're going to call it like the original Xbox. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> and then it's going to be like uh, original. And then the next one after that is going to be, I guess that'll be like the sixth one. That'll be uh, X, the, the original Xbox from 2001. Just so, just to further muddle any sort of communication about uh, one Xbox from the next. Xbox. <laughs> uh, but anyway, this one's coming. They say holiday of this year, or, you know, holiday season of this year, 2020. Okay. So, uh, it was, I think, originally planned on being Thanksgiving, and then they scratched that, but they did say they're, they're, they did say it's, they're still planning on it coming in the holiday season sometime this year. Cool. Uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake is supposed to come out, I think, Friday, right? Yeah, I thought it was this week. Yeah, yes, this week. They they've they've actually sent out to some regions. They've sent it out early, just oh. because of all the shit going on. I, if I remember correctly, it was uh, more or less to to like kind of ease the uh, like send it out like sure. a little bit out of the t- a little bit at a time, just to kind of uh, since since the supply chain is all sort of fucked everywhere. So so just to kind of like ease that process a little bit. So some places are getting it early. I think some people may have already even gotten it. And, um, and some, and some places are getting it late, not because they're sending it out late, but just because like Amazon, for instance, is, uh, yeah. is, is delaying that stuff a little bit. So like, I think mine, I'm not supposed to get it until Sunday or Monday or something like that, even though it's, uh, it's coming out Friday. So anyway, some people are getting it early. Some people are getting it late. It's kind of sp- spread out a little bit more in it, in its release. But anyway, I, that's, I that's kind of cool that they, it. that they released it a little bit early yeah. for some people. I would hope that people are a little bit understanding. You know? <laughs> I, mean, I think so. I'm sure there are some people who are like, what the fuck, Square Enix? But, uh, I, I, I was that way about the Tony Khabib thing. I'll be honest with you. I am, I'm still pissed about that. <laughs> the Tony Khabib like, thing? No, no. But you haven't, you haven't been like a blue balled five times on, on Final Fantasy. Well, maybe we have been Final Fantasy VII the, all the time. Yeah, I was going to say, Final Fantasy VII, it's been rumored for way too long. <laughs> Yeah, um, another Final Fantasy thing. This one, th- 
I only saw a thing about this on Reddit, but uh, I didn't see this covered too too heavily. <laughs> but it's pretty hilarious. So you know, Final Fantasy Nine. There's a Steam version of it. Okay. Um, this is the title of the Reddit thread. Square Enix <laughs> pushed an update for Final Fantasy Nine on PC that deleted the entire game. <laughs> Shocker! You have to buy it again. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, you don't have to buy it again. I think they eventually fixed it, but then there were all sorts of problems even then. But like. Yeah, they just pushed an update for it, and all the update was was it removes every single file from the game's folder. Oh. <laughs> and so I like link to where you can go see like kind of basically the change log of like yeah. what, what files change, and every single file is listed just deleted. <laughs> that sucks. Oh, that sucks. And, and there were like I said, there were uh, apparently a lot of people were saying that they were still having problems, even like once they supposedly fixed it, like they did another update, like I guess. You know, whoever uh, did that update probably started, like, shitting themselves and just, like, working as fast as they possibly fucking could to get it going again. And then, like, people were saying, like, I don't know, but people were saying, like, once they updated it to fix it, then there were, like, all sorts of problems with, like, music and sound and all that stuff like that. Uh, Oh, you know what? I think, and somebody, I think, said, now, this is uh, me reading from Reddit, so take it with a grain of salt, but somebody said that, once they did restore it, they restored it to like a really old version of the PC. Wow, version. that's what they had to do. So like, I, I think I don't think that's what they had to do. I think that's what they accidentally did. Seems like they were scrambling, and in their scrambling to fix it, you know, didn't quite get it right <laughs> for a little while. Good lord, that's bad. But uh, yeah, like I mean, I don't know. I mean, I can see stuff like this happening. Uh. I've worked in web development, you know, um, it's not, it doesn't like blow my mind that this happens, but it does surprise me that like a company as big as Square Enix doesn't have a better testing process, you know, for like they should. And I imagine they do. I don't know what, you know, failed this time, but I imagine they, you know, have something where it's like, all right, we're going to, we have this test environment. Let's push the update to this one and see what happens to the game. Either whoever was in charge of that just was like, ah, no, it's good. Just go with it. Or, you know, something else along the line got messed up. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, they deleted everything, but it's back now. Uh, as far as I know, it's, it is working again now. But for a while there, it just uh, nobody had it anymore. Yikes. Yikes. Atari, a couple Atari things. Um, so, the the Atari VCS is, a, is the uh, Atari console that's supposed to come out um this year okay. it was uh, originally scheduled i think for last year and it's all the details have been very uh vague and sketchy but somehow they still like they didn't do kickstarter they did some other sort of platform they still like smashed their goal on that they made like millions of dollars on this uh even without really having much to show or even explain about what it was going to be clearly they're it's going to have um, a lot of Atari game. Well, what they have said and been fairly clear about, I believe, is that there are going to be a lot of Atari classic Atari games pre-installed on it. But then there's also like stuff like, oh yeah, and you're going to be able to play new stuff too, without really much explanation about what or how or you know anything like that. But yeah. anyway, it's an Atari console. To me, the whole thing seems really, really, really shady. Uh, but like I said, regardless, they they still smashed their funding goal. So you know. A lot of people, I guess, disagree that it's that it's so shady. But 
here's a thing that just came out. Uh, Atari. This is from VentureBeat. Atari VCS system architect Rob Wyatt is suing Atari over missed payments. Apparently, what he's saying is uh, they just never paid him <laughs> for his work. Wow. So, uh, this is a guy, and if I remember correctly, this is a guy who uh, who he may have worked on the original one. Um, whoops, I could be wrong about that though. But anyway, it says uh, Wyatt's lawsuit said that Tin Giant, his company, agreed to a contract on June 26, 2018. Wyatt said that he performed his obligations under the deal and submitted invoices totaling $261,720. By October 2019, Wyatt demanded payment but said he received nothing. He said Atari falsely claimed that Tin Giant delayed the console project and had failed to complete its scope of services under the agreement. So basically he's saying we did all this stuff and Atari didn't pay us. And Atari basically said, oh, he didn't do everything he's supposed to. So there's a interesting little uh, bump in the road for all that. And now here's hey, another on topic. Huh? On the topic with Kickstarters, did Kickstarters stop being so sketchy or did we just stop hearing about it as much? Do you remember there was like two years where it was like everybody was doing a Kickstarter and everybody was, was not everybody, but we just kept hearing case after case of Kickstarters uh-huh. not not following through, you know, just completely releasing a shit product. Has that since slowed down or are we just not hearing I, about it? I think what's ha- what happened was everybody stopped paying attention to Kickstarters because all that shit kept on happening. Okay. And then everybody just kind of considered just about anything a lost cause, unless you really, gotcha. really knew about the people doing a specific Kickstarter. Like in your case, gotcha. you've seen the stuff that they've done before. Yeah, 100%. Uh, same with uh, the one that, um, oh God, I'm going blank on his name. Um, the uh, Ron Gilbert that he did with Thimbleweed Park. Like, yeah. you know, he's got a very strong reputation in the gaming community and specifically for adventure games. So I felt good about that one, but yeah, I think there were so many failed Kickstarter, you know, Kickstarters that like they basically just ran off with the money and stuff that at least, you know, speaking for myself, I just really stopped paying attention to any of it. Cause I'm like, yep, this one's uh, there's gotcha. a good chance that we're just going to get fucked if we, uh, if we try this. Yeah. Understandably. Right. Yeah. So I think that's what it is like for me. I just stopped paying attention to it altogether. So I think that's gotcha. why we don't really hear as much about it. Um, cause people, I think, I think that's happened with the, I think that in general, people stop paying attention. Uh, but here, so here, and here's, okay. A second Atari thing though. So I have a, um, I get emails to, to the classic gaming podcast account, uh, uh, press emails regarding the Atari VCS. I got one today or not today, but between this, I got one for the, you know, after the last episode at some point saying Atari casino is coming soon. I was like, what the fuck is this? The email says, Hey, VCS fans, Atari Casino is coming soon. Play online with cryptocurrency, including the upcoming oh. Atari token. <laughs> Go to casinoatari.com for news updates no, and more. I won't. Try <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> no. I did check out the, the website. It's... It, so Atari Casino has not started yet. It's like coming, it's still coming soon as it says, but, uh, basically just about everything on the website was, they, they were very, um, keen to drill in, to, 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 to drive home the point that it's all legal because they're using cryptocurrency. So, uh, so you don't have to worry about that. <laughs> I love that. 
Not really, obviously. But. There was no um, clear explanation of exactly what the fuck this is. It said like, oh, you know, like gamble with cryptocurrency while playing Atari games. Like okay. what? Why? <laughs> yeah, what and why? <laughs> the real question: Why? Uh huh. Yeah, why? Um, why? Because it's legal. Because it's cryptocurrency. Oh. Um. There, I'm trying to pull up this one. It said like, oh yeah, um, due to the borderless nature of cryptocurrencies, anyone can gamble anywhere. <laughs> That's a huge advantage for the players. Payouts arrive to the players in a much faster fashion because crypto transactions are much faster than bank transfers. Oh. That's so filthy. Like, that's I want a, a shower after this conversation. That, that's exactly how I felt. Uh, this is f- fucking terrible. And, and it really also makes me sad that they use the term uh, Atari tokens. Is that what I read? Is that what I said? Um, yeah. Because it makes me think, okay, apparently they're coming up with their own yep. uh, cryptocurrency. Uh, yeah, I can't say I'm too thrilled about that or uh, I'm going to give it any of my time whatsoever. So there's that. And then one more thing, um, the uh, the Strong Museum of Play World Video Game Hall of Fame. It's time for their uh, for their new annual round of uh, of inductees. Oh man, it's already time! It's already time. So uh, they've announced the finalists. You ready? You ready for this? Yep. All right. So as usual, they have ten finalists for this year, and they uh, will. Be uh, I'm sorry. They will induct five of these ten finalists into the Hall of Fame. Okay. All right. Uh, sorry, I had it pulled up one second ago, and it uh, it went away. All right, here we go. Okay, ten finalists. Bejeweled. Okay. <laughs> not not like okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's. I think I feel like that's the appropriate. No, response. you're right. Okay. You're you're right. Uh, centipede. Okay. Um, Frogger. Okay. Goldeneye. These make, that, that makes sense. Okay. Okay. Yeah, getting better, right? Not, not a big Goldeneye. I mean, we talked about Goldeneye, but like, you know, still understand it should be there. Right. Okay. Uh, Guitar Hero. Okay. King's Quest. Minecraft. Huh? I thought uh, it's a King's Quest, the original. Yeah, yeah. The, just King's okay. Quest 1. Okay. Uh, Minecraft. Understandably, it, I thought it was already been in. Damn, that's they, crazy. They, it's been up. It's been nominated like two or three years. I think two year, two different years. It was, um, and, and I don't think it was last year. And so now it is again. Um, NBA Jam, <laughs> Nokia Snake, just like the Snake game oh, on Nokia wow. phones. <laughs> isn't that cool? <laughs> that's kind of cool, isn't it? That is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Super Smash Brothers Melee. Of course, of yeah. Course. Where was that? As is this the first nomination for that? I'm not sure. Maybe it's possible. I feel like it had. Man, that's crazy if that's the case. Uncharted two among thieves, and this is a good one. Where in the world is Carmen San Diego? Oh yeah. Wait, Uncharted. I mean, Uncharted, from my understanding, is an incredible game. But why is that on there? They they typically have a pretty wide array of. Uh, a very broad range of, of types of games. 
Okay. So, uh, yeah, I, I do agree with that. Like, you know, a little bit of a head scratcher. Yeah, like why that one? <laughs> you know. Yeah, but like, I've heard very good things about the game, but at the same time, still what? Yeah, but yeah, but still, why that one? Yeah, I get what you're saying. Um, all I can say is they seem to try to really reach very widely. So, uh, I don't know. That's that's my that's the best okay. answer I can provide. So uh, let's uh, do so. Let's do our typical top five for this. So next to- next oh, episode, I love it. Okay. Next episode, we'll do our top five uh, games that we think out of the, out of out of these ten, which five should be inducted. Love it. Absolutely love it. All right. And uh, oh, and that's all I've got. Uh, however, there is one thing that I thought would be fun to look at. Uh, I found where they have a list of of all of the games that have been inducted so far. I thought okay. it would be interesting just to revisit that and look at what their what the Strong Museum of Plays World Video Game Hall of Fame currently looks like. Okay. I'm cool with that. So these are in uh, – they have these listed in an alphabetical order, so that's just what I'm going to use. Gotcha. First one is Colossal Cave Adventure. Uh, this is like an Atari game or something like that. Uh, I don't even think Atari. I think it was uh, like like not – I think it was uh, – God, what was it? I want to say something like a Amiga, maybe, or something like that. I don't know anything about this game. But it came out in uh, came out in 1979. Whoa. So uh, whatever it came out for, it doesn't, it doesn't even say what, what, what like kind of computer system it came out on. But anyway, it's super old, so I don't know anything about that one. But uh, okay, so C- Colossal Cave Adventure, Donkey Kong, Doom... I'll, I'll link this page for you also so you can kind of like get an overview. Uh, Doom, Final Fantasy VII. Yep. Uh, Halo, John Madden Football, The Legend of Zelda, Microsoft Solitaire, Mortal Kombat, Oregon Trail, Pac-Man, Pokemon Red and Green, Pong, The Sims, Sonic the Hedgehog, Space Invaders, Space War, Super Mario Kart, Street Fighter 2, Super Mario Brothers, Tetris, Tomb Raider, and World of Warcraft. Good list. You, you think? I, I think so too. I mean, I think so too. Yeah. As hard as as it is to make a list like this, um, um, you know, obviously there are a trillion games that are missing, and there are half a trillion that you should say, "Hey, this should be there instead of like Tomb Raider, for instance." Yeah. But I, I think they've done a pretty good job of, again, including a wide range of, 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 of very important games. I agree. I agree entirely. Uh, so anyway, there's that. I just thought that would be interesting to take a look at. Cool. So that's it for news. Time for... Oh, by the way, this is a Game of the Quarter episode. It is. I forgot to mention that at the start. Our Game of the Quarter is Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga, which came out for Game Boy Advance uh, in 2003. This was... So this time it was my choice to pick, and for my choice I said, Jay, I want you to pick an RPG. And uh, this was the one that you chose for us. So uh, typically what we do is, uh, whoever's turn it was, we'll let we, that person decides at what point we talk about uh, the game of the quarter. And I like to save it for last. So uh, why don't we talk about anything else we've been playing first, and then we'll move on to Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga. Does that work for you? Absolutely. Okay, did you play anything else? I did. Okay, why don't you go first? Sure. Let me pull up my notes here. One sec. Um, so uh, for this episode of the podcast, I actually played another Game Boy Advance game. 
Um, I played Warrior Wear Inc., um, which actually I didn't even look up the date this was released. Hold on one second here. Um, as this is loading, so I went into this game because the reason I ended, up, I ended up choosing to play this game, it came out in 2003 for Game Boy Advance. Um, the reason I chose this game was because the last time I was playing the, the most recent Super Smash Brothers, I played Wario a decent amount, and I couldn't believe how fucking bizarre he was as a character and <laughs> his level was. So I was like, man, you know, I knew Wario was supposed to be like this anti-Mario and, you know, this villain or whatever, but I was like, what? where does this all kind of come from? So I decided to play Warrior Wear Inc., which is a super bizarre game. Oh, it, yeah. It, bizarre is, is the best word I can, I can use to describe it, but it's extremely entertaining from a, a couple different perspectives. I went into this game assuming that it would be fun, that the gameplay would be the most captivating part, and that the rest of it could just be there and I wouldn't even care. But I was wrong. And the sorry, sorry, music, let me interrupt you real fast. This is the one on Game Boy Advance. Is that what you said? Game Boy Advance? Correct. Okay. Yeah, Game Boy Advance. Gotcha. Uh, but yeah, so I was wrong. I, the gameplay is, is good. It is definitely there. But the the whole environment that it sets up, the story development that is there, though it is very short, the music and the atmosphere it sets up is really what drives this game for being really good. It is a, I will keep using the term bizarre because that is the best word that I can choose to describe it. But essentially how the game works is you go through these different worlds. And when you go into a world, generally you're introduced to a new character. You get a short story about them, something that's probably that, something negative that's going on with them or something that is driving them to basically try to complete something very quickly. Uh, I'm being very vague here yeah. because there's a lot of variety in these different stories. One of the ones that sticks out to the, the most to me was you're trying to help a child get to a peer and you have, have to get in a cab. Okay. You have to get in a and cab. Is that what you said? Yeah. You get in a cab ride and then you are driving. Well, you don't, you don't actually do anything with the cab, but you don't play the cab ride. You don't do anything to do with the cab, but it sets up this atmosphere. And again, this game's very weird. So essentially, you, you, the, the, the screen, that you, your, your kind of home screen for that world is imagine a dark lit city. You're looking out from the perspective of the windshield, the front the windshield of the cab ride. Windshield wipers are going, a lot of rain. And there are these four Wario uh, plushies that are hanging from the left. Um, what's that thing called? The sun visor? Sun visor. And every time you fail a level, one of the warriors fa Warios falls off. And if you lose all of them, then you fail that world and you have to start over. The worlds last less than five minutes. Seriously. The games are five seconds or less, 10 seconds or less. They're very quick. They are relatively repetitive, but they there's some of the mechanics of the game that add some variety to it. So I'm sure everybody who has seen WarriorWare has seen some of the really bizarre and weird games, that the, the mini games that you play. Because all, that's all it is. It's essentially you go into a world, you get a little bit of story, you get put in this atmosphere, then you play a series of mini games with a boss at the end, and if you achieve it, you beat that world. If you fail it, then you have to redo it. Some of the worlds are more difficult than others, and after you complete about a third of the world, the game's the the game picks up its pace. It says speeds up, and then everything goes faster. All the puzzles move faster. They load <laughs> yeah. faster. The the actions go faster. And then after another third, it goes faster, and then it goes faster, and it gets really bizarre. It gets really really difficult, and the ordering of the puzzles is completely random. So the puzzle you got first last time, you could not even see that puzzle. You could see that at the very end. You could see it in the middle. And it kind of sets up this, it sets you up for failure because you're like, oh, I know this puzzle. And then because it's at the second third of the game, 
it's faster than it was the first time. So you get thrown off on your pacing and it's like, oh shit. So what are these mini games and, and what are some examples? The best ones that, that stick out to me, the nose picking one. <laughs> That's the first and, one that came to my mind too. Yeah, there, there's a bunch of them that come to mind very quickly and they're really, really bizarre, 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 I know. But the, the games, they don't give you much time. It just says pick it and then it loads a screen and there's a finger <laughs> yeah. that is horizontally going back and forth below a nose and you have to hit the A button at the right time to pick the nose. If you miss, in this, I'm being serious, if you miss, then you push the nose up and you fail. And again, you only have so many lives. And these games happen very quickly. So it's not like, it's like pick it. And you're like, oh, the nose picking game. And then you're waiting for it to load. And then you get to see the finger start on the right. And it slowly moves left. It's like, no, it's like pick it. You have five seconds. This thing's moving back and forth very yeah. quickly. You literally, literally like actually five seconds. Yeah, yeah. And that's not an exaggeration. Like some of the longest pulses you have is like eight seconds. Yeah. It, it's not <laughs> yeah. long at all. Um, so... The nose picking one sticks out. The egg dropping one—you have to crack an egg over a frying pan that's horizontally going. Oh, yeah. um, there's one where there's one where a piece of toast is going to shoot out of a toaster, and you have to catch it by pressing the A button. There's one where you have to brush teeth, and essentially you have to press the left button all the way until it brushes to the left, then to the right to brush the right, left, and then right again. And you have to do that in five seconds. And if you're slow, you will fail. There's also shooting games where like these spaceships fly by, fly by and you have to aim the cursor and fire and you'll only have five seconds and there's two spaceships, so it's very fast. Uh, there's also Duck Hunt. So you, there's a bunch of NES classics that come up. You play Duck Hunt where you basically have to shoot the duck. Um, there's one where you're playing as Zelda. In the, and this is the original, like the NES original games. They're actually the, the UIs and everything. It's the exact same game. So there's one where you're playing, you're playing Link in the original NES Zelda and you just have to n- navigate yourself to the nearest cave. That's it. There's one where it's... <laughs> yeah, I remember that. You have, yeah, you have to fight Mother Brain, and you just have to spam missiles until she dies. There's one where you play uh, F-Zero, and you have to avoid crashing. There's one where you play Dr. Mario, and you have to get a combo, so you have to get four in a row, and you only have one piece, and it's, again, very quick. So so it's it's fun. It is it, it's surprisingly fun. It is very fast-paced, and I keep saying that because it is. I mean, the, you will lose a level in less than three minutes, and you'll be like, I'm not doing this again. You're like, eh, I'll do it one more time, and then you're like, oh, I almost got it. Okay, I'll do it one more time. And so you get into this this really nasty habit of everybody doing it. I got to the second to last world, um, and I probably will beat it, maybe. It's fun. It is, it is very engaging, and the stories are surprisingly, they're kind of adorable, and they're, they're, they're kind of engaging. Um, early on, you get introduced to these characters. One of my favorite ones is this, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like this dancer, this 70s dancer with this big afro, and he's got a mustache that's shaped like a music note. The reason I like it, and the reason I, one of the reasons this game is so charming, and that, that's a great way to describe this, is each world has its own setup. So the one with all the NES classics, you're playing a Game Boy Advance in the game. So you're playing a Game Boy Advance, but then the character in the game is holding a Game Boy Advance and you're zoomed in on the screen, in your screen, <laughs> and then the games are appearing, which is, again, charming. The, the one that I was referencing with the dancer, he's holding up a cell phone, like a flip phone from the early 2000s. And he, you're basically like, it'll be like, and by the way, the sound effects are hilarious and the dialogue, I don't even understand it. It's, it sounds very Japanese. Like that, that's the best way I can describe it. But the, the flip phone, it'll be like a new, uh, a new text message has come in and a little letter icon appears and it says, pick it. And then you go straight into the game and it's very quick. And so when you're doing it on the cell phone, every time you achieve it, it's like, good job. And like a smiley face emoji appears on the phone. And then if you fail, it does like a sad face. And then you lose one of your, your uh, the battery life uh, on the phone goes down by one. And if it gets to zero, then you fail. 
and it, it charming is a great way to describe this game as well because it, it, it kind of is. I mean, the, these levels, it, it's surprising how much they can do in a five-minute world that some games can't do in a four-hour, 10-hour, 15-hour story. Yeah. You kind of actually kind of feel for these characters. And the, like the one with the cab, when you get there, you find out that the child you're getting to the pier, he's actually a mermaid and he's going to die because he's out of water. And it's like, oh, shit. Like, okay, I didn't know that this game was that serious. And you, you kind of go through a bunch of these different stories with these different characters. Uh, the, the one that I just beat, you're playing as this... I don't even know how to describe it, but it's like you're in Japan and you're somehow a samurai, by the way. So you are working your way through this dojo and like doing these puzzles. And as every time you do it, then you like chop down a door, I guess. <laughs> and it's just kind of bizarre. It, it really is. And then after a certain number of levels, like 12 to 25-ish, you get to fight a boss. Um, some of the bosses I've done, there's one where you play baseball. So essentially you have to hit six out of 12 pitches, I think, or six out of 10 pitches. And it's just a matter of timing it. And the pitches can go high. They can lob them. They can be fastballs. Um, they can do a bunch of stuff. And you just have to time it. My favorite one so far has been, I don't even remember what it says. I think it says nail it. I think is what it says. And essentially, there's a guy holding a nail. And the hammer is, is rotating back and forth. And you have to time it to where he swings. And he pushes the nail down. If you miss and smash his hand, then you fail. <laughs> and you have to hit the nail so many times before you lose. Every And by the way, um, doesn't every game start off with like you said just like a verb it like smash it kill it yeah. shoot it oh i didn't know that yeah i think it, i think you're right I think it is like smash it shoot it yeah i think you're right i didn't even notice that that's how i remember it. um but yeah the, the variety of games it really gets you there there's there's one where you're like running from the police this is one of the worlds and every time you succeed you throw a banana at the cops and they slip and fall and blow up and if you fail then they get closer and closer and it it, it it's it's so the, the reason I bring these worlds up is you'll go from pick it, right? It's like pick it, you have five seconds, the hands rotating back and forth, you nail it, great, you move on to the next one. And then it goes back to this world where you watch this, this character throw a banana peel at the back of this car, and then the car might blow up, and then the, the second that that happens, you go into another game. So the game purposely tries to distract you from the next step, the next <laughs> game, so that it makes it more challenging. So it's like the second you start to focus on one thing, you're already into the next puzzle, and it's very, very, very quick. So I, I will say it, it's it's kind of like Cuphead for me. Cuphead keeps you engaged because there's so much going on, hmm. and I feel like this game surprisingly does it. There's no downtime. There's no downtime in the middle of the world. Once you're done with the world, then sure, you can do whatever you want. But like when you are in an actual world, there is no downtime. You're going from intro story, which is like 90 seconds, into your first minigame, into your in-between, which is five seconds as well. So it's five second minigame, five second interval, five, or five seconds in between, excuse me, and then five seconds back into another game. And it's, you know, those 10 second intervals between a little bit of story and, and a minigame, back to back to back to back, 15 to 20 times. Right. It, it's surprisingly fun. It, it's not a game that you want to sit down and play for hours, but you can sit down and play for 15 minutes and, and have some fun with it and then go back in and, and maybe... There was, there's another one. And by the way, the art style is hilarious. I forgot to mention this. The Each, each minigame has a different art style. So, like, the picket one is a highly detailed finger and a highly detailed nose. And then there's one where you have to spam A and consume these these tokens. And the character looks like a first, like a, like a one-year-old druid. It's oh, just I like forgot. this. Awful... Okay, 
I didn't remember I in my like so it's been a, over a year since I've played it. So I don't I only kind of remember pieces of it. Uh I thought the nose picking one, I remember that being like almost like stick figure art. Is that wrong on the pick on the nose? I, I, I could be wrong. There there were there were a number of them that were really high detail. There was I do know what you're talking to... about though. I do remember that. The the, ver- yeah. the variety of the art. There was one, and that's the other thing. Again, it kind of distracts you, right? Because you, you start looking at the art. There's one where you have to, somebody has a, a booger that's dripping, and you have to press A to pull it back up in their nose because they, they like they have to like pull it back in. And it's this super detailed anime here. It, it's, it's really distracting because you're like, oh, shit. And then the next one could be this little almost Pac-Man, but it's like a super poorly drawn Pac-Man, and it's consuming these pellets, and you have to hit A to consume them. And then you might go into that anime one, which is like super high detail. It, it, the art style, and then they they go back to the NES classics, right? So you have Mar the original Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers, and that graphics, and you have to jump on Goombas, and then you go to a stick figure drawing. It, 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 these varieties, it, it's it's kind of intriguing, and it, it pulls your attention away too, because you're like, oh, you want to look at some of the details, but again, these games are five seconds long, so you don't even have a chance to really look at them. By the way, one of my favorite things is. There's one where all you have to do is jump over this object, and it's a potato on wheels. And <laughs> the best part about it is, so or in the first, if it's in the first third, it just comes across the map pretty slowly, and you have to jump over it. If it's in the second third, it stops about like two inches away from you, and <laughs> so it kind of throws you off. And then in the third phase, it's a fucking shark, and it just <laughs> screams across the map. It's not a potato <laughs> anymore. It's just a shark, and it's it just runs across. This is great. It, it just it catches you off guard sometimes. You're, you're just expecting. You're like, oh, this one. I just have to jump over the potato. Oh, it stopped. Oh, that's weird. Okay, I still live. And the next time, it's a fucking shark streaming across the screen. You're just like, oh my god. Um, um, so I pulled up yeah. a picture of the nose picking game, and that one, the art is pretty simplistic. It's just black and white, and okay. like just regular drawing. But I do know what you're talking about. Like some, like some of the games, like some of them. Oh, yeah, you're right. We'll have Mario, for instance, and like, but he looks like a two-year-old drew him. And then another one will have Mario, but it looks like actual Mario from the NES game. And then another one just might be like super detailed Mario, and he's like this, like the dimensions of a regular human, and it lo- and that alone looks really weird. Yeah. It, 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 oh, and yeah. The one with Bowser. Th- this one made me laugh so hard. <laughs> I don't remember, one... okay, you gotta show me. I let remember. Me, let me see if I can find it. I remember Bowser looking hilarious, but I don't actually remember what he looked like. Let me see if I can find it. Oh, come on. It's so funny. Oh, here it is. This, is, this isn't this is exactly it, but this is close. It's this super realistic looking Mario oh, and Bowser. Yeah. This isn't it. It's close to this. No, this. I think this is it. Uh, this, is, this is what I remember. No, mine was different. Mine is oh, okay. even... The one that I saw was even more realistic. Funny enough. <laughs> like, it looks um, like a... Um, like, how do you... Like, kind of like a... It looks like it... Sort of like a Super Nintendo-ish graphics but like not not mario world style like they're trying to look a little bit more realistic like you said i don't know it's very hard to describe the one that uh i saw was was really funny because it's it's somebody who looks like they're cosplaying in a bowser costume it's that ridiculous it's like um it's like a what 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 you assume bowser would look like if he was real like (laughs) it's he's very humanoid it's just and again it catches your attention oh here it is here it is Oh my god, I finally found it. Oh my god, this is so funny. Like, look how stupid Mario looks. He's, like, buff. <laughs> like, I know it's a small image, but it's yeah. so ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a bunch of things. Like, there's some of the ones where you have to put the cat to sleep, and it's essentially you just have to press A when the cat closes his eyes. There's <laughs> one where you have to eat a banana, and you just have to spam the input button to put it to sleep. There's one where there's a, a dummy, like a, a crash test dummy, and you have to deploy the airbag in time. 
Um, there's one where you have to squirt ketchup on a hamburger. Uh, <laughs> I'm looking through a list right now. I'm just trying to remember the ones that I've done from this list. There's the realistic anime character. Oh, there's one where you have to squeeze peas out of a pea pod, which I actually failed. There's one where you have to shake the dog's paw, which was really funny. Um, yeah, a lot of it is timing. Obviously, there's timing. Later on, it gets to be a little bit more of like, were you paying attention type stuff? Oh, there's one where there's a, there, it's like a, um, a shootout, like an old Western shootout, and you have to hit the input button before they do, after they say go. And if you do it, then his pants fall, and he's like, you got me, which is just... <laughs> Uh, there's one where you play Punch Out, which is pretty funny. Um, yeah, th this game is surprisingly good. I, 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 it's very charming, and I will keep using that word because I think it's it's very accurate. I, I like I said, I went into this thinking the mini games were going to be kind of ridiculous, and I was just going to kind of like a 15 minute laugh out of it. I probably spent like two or three hours playing this. Um, the the story again is it, pretty engaging. The music is surprisingly good. It's bizarre again, bizarre word, but it, it's good. It's entertaining. Uh, the graphics are hilarious and, and varying, and the mini games themselves are—they're intriguing. They—they they really do keep your attention. It is—it is, it is uh, as weird as I expected. I would say at least I had that kind of expectation going into it. But this game is very unique, and I'm actually impressed with the quality of it. I, I thought it was just going to be kind of a shit show, but it, it's actually a pretty good game. I, I, I really enjoy this game. I don't know—I don't remember what, how you felt about it at the end of it, but I—I I didn't. I th I feel pretty much the exact ways that you do, except for it didn't um, keep my attention for as long as it sounds like it, it did yours. Gotcha. Um, but I do, like I said, I agree with everything you said. It's and I really do appreciate the game. Also, it's it's hilarious. Yeah. Um. Nice. Okay. Hell yeah. So that's all you've got. I'm assuming besides uh, besides game of the quarter. Okay. I've got I've got two games to talk about before we go to Mario and Luigi. Uh, oh. First is East East One, uh, spelled Y S capital Y lowercase S. This is a uh, classic RPG uh, series, and this is the first game of the East series, as you can probably imagine. It's East One. Uh, it came out in. Originally came out in 1989. Uh, well, that was its Japanese release was 1989. North American release was 1990, and it was for uh, Turbo Graphics CD, which I forget. I frequently forget even was a thing. I had a Turbo Graphics, and that was uh, kind of obscure enough. And they also had a CD version of this, uh, which, like I said, I always forget. It kind of blows my mind. I, I played the Steam version of this, however. And uh, actually, let me see when this came, when the Steam, uh, when the Steam version came out. East looks like uh, this came out on Steam in 2013. So it's like a complete remaster. Um, graphics are like changed and updated and all this stuff. They have kind of like anime style cutscenes. The graphics of this are kind of uh, comparable to Super Nintendo or something like that on this version of it. And uh, so, as I said, this is an RPG, and you are, it's like a, you know, top-down, kind of like a Zelda-like like view, or, you know, any, anything like that, uh, Secret of Evermore, any kind of that stuff, like that, that okay. sort of viewpoint. And you are, um, there's this place called Asteria, Asteria, I think is how it's probably pronounced, and there's a storm that has, like, formed a wall. It's an island, and it's, there's a storm that's formed a wall around the island of Asteria. 
And uh, your character, like, he doesn't live in Asteria, but he decides he wants to, I, I, if I remember correctly, it's something like he decides he wants to go, like, see if he can get through the storm uh, and visit the island. And he gets tossed overboard during the storm and wakes up, like, on the shore. And okay. uh, you go around, um, you talk to the people who saved you, and they're, you know, they tell you a little about what's been happening. Like, the, the, you know, the store came up and nobody can leave the island and all this stuff. Eventually, you go talk to a fortune teller. Uh, and guess what? She has a vision that, that somebody that matches your description exactly. She had this vision that they're going to come. In other words, that you're going to come and you're going to save Asteria, basically. Uh, big surprise that you, you know, turn out to be the hero. The hero. Right. Yeah. And um, so she tells you about the, the books of East, which somehow are going to like help you free the island from the, um, from the storm wall. And of course, then you just immediately suit up and go ahead and go out and start fighting monsters. Of course. So, and then there's other things like there, you know, there's other little parts of the story that pop up. There's like a group of bandits near one of the town that like that recently just kind of set up and, but nobody quite knows why they set up where they did because it doesn't really make sense. There's a, like this caped man that this mysterious caped man that's going around that people keep talking about that they, that they've seen out in the woods and stuff like that. There's a girl you find in a, in a dungeon that she was taken prisoner there, and but she's lost her memory or, or something like that, so she really doesn't know what's going on. So, you know, it's kind of a... Overall, it's very standard RPG story type stuff. You're on this place. up. Oh, you got to save the world, and you go and fight monsters until you save and the world. And only you can do it. Yeah, only you can do You're it. You're the chosen one. Huh? You're the chosen one. Uh, Yeah, exactly. And so, this game, I got to say, has... About the weirdest battle system I've ever seen in an RPG. It Weird. is That's so an you, term. yeah. So you don't. Um, it doesn't go into like battles. It, it's it, you just fight people on the map, just like like in Zelda or something like that. Okay? okay. Uh, but the way you fight, you don't even have an attack button. The way you attack people is you run into them, and just make sure that when you run into them, you are slightly off center. Uh, of what? the character when you run into them. <laughs> and so when you run into somebody, you do, you automatically do damage just by running into them. And that's, and that's how you do damage. But if you run into them like perfectly centered head on, then they also damage you. And depending on how strong they are, they might damage you a lot more than you damage them. However, if you're slightly off center, then they don't do any damage to you and you only damage them. Uh, and then if you, if you run into their side, like from, like from the side, like sideways, you know, um, that does more damage. However, that's really risky to do because you run the risk of them. Uh, they might turn at the last second. And then usually when that happens, you end up perfectly centered on them. So you're going to end up taking damage. That's it. Uh, no, not really. Okay. Because all you're doing just is just running into people, you know, it's like, Oh, am I a yeah. little bit off? Am I perfectly facing this guy head on? Or am I slightly to the side? Okay. I think I'm slightly to the side. Let's go for it. And you do it. And even if you don't, uh, it's kind of funny. If it's a character that, if it's an enemy that say you can't kill in just one hit, you don't have to run into them and then like run around and like set up again and then run into them again. All you do is just keep holding the same direction if you hit him the first time and you kind of bounce him back and then hit him again and then bounce him back and then hit him hit him again. So you just what? like keep on smashing into him until he dies. <laughs> it's really bizarre. Um, I think, a, huh? 
We're using that word a lot tonight. Yeah, I think a lot of the later versions of this game uh, are much different. I don't think they follow this combat. Okay. Uh, there are, I don't even know when the last one was, but there are a lot of games in the East series. Um, a lot of them you can buy on GOG, I know. Uh, I don't know when the last one came out. So I don't know how, uh, like, recently they've, I don't know if they, like, you know, are still making East games. But uh, they they very well may be. I'll, I'll try to check that out in a minute. Okay. Um, but but there are definitely you know much more modern ones that, like I said, I believe uh, do a more traditional RPG style combat in one way or another. But uh, so that's how you attack people, and it's really what what else is kind of interesting is when you upgrade your armor or uh, or weapon or even just level up. That often makes you like very notably more powerful than you were, you know, like even one weapon ago or one piece of armor ago. And so like you might be barely scraping by like killing guys and like having to heal all the time and then level up one time and then you're just stomping everybody. (laughs) It's like it got to the, like I had, there was one point kind of close to the beginning for me where I was really having to be careful. Um, And some, sometimes I would hit people wrong and it would do a ton of damage to me. And I would have to run off. And, like, if you're outside dungeons and you can heal just by, like, finding a safe spot and standing around and not doing anything. Um, so I was, like, having to do that constantly. But then I leveled up once. And it and I was so much stronger that I could I could even run head onto them perfectly centered. And, it, and they wouldn't even do any damage. Or they would do, like, a sliver of damage to my health. And I would mm-hmm. kill them. So... So if you are if you are strong enough, then you then you don't even have to worry about hitting them, you know, uh, off center at all. You can yeah. just run into them however you want, and you're just stomping everybody. So like, it's really weird. Once you get to that point, it's like, well, I don't even have to try anymore. I'm just running into bad guys uh, as I run around the map, and that's all. That's literally all I'm having to do to kill them and to level up and get experience and all this kind of stuff. So, I'm still impressed with you know always whenever we talk about RPGs and like the combat, especially old school. I always just impressed with Earthbound when you got to that critical point where you could just walk up to mobs and you would just want you would just instantly end the combat because mm-hmm. they would just be too weak for you and you would just kill them. I, I still yeah. am so appreciative of them doing that. I am too. I do think that I, I do wish in Earthbound that that had been used a little bit more heavily because you really have to be pretty far uh, yeah ahead. To be of the other of the bad guy in order to do that, but yes, I definitely do appreciate that as well. Yeah, it was nice when you were like going back to clear an area for whatever reason. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent agreed. Um, and uh, and then besides, I mean, that's pretty much the whole game. The the bosses, I I didn't get so I didn't get super far. I, pro- I think I probably I think I played about four hours. The okay. first boss was super tough for me. Uh, there he's this, so he like disappears and kind of appears around the stage. And at the same time, there's all these, there's flames that shoot in from the sides of this room you're in. And the way they shoot in, it's like flames will shoot in from both sides at the time and not quite meet together. So there's just enough space for you to stay in between, but the space where you stay in between might be a little bit off to the left one time or farther off to the right one time. And at the same time that, that that's happening, the boss is like, you know, disappearing and kind of like teleporting around the map. So it's like, you have to wait, you have to time it exactly right and be like, are the flames coming? Where's the boss going to appear? Okay. He's right there. Do I have time? Do I have like three seconds to run in between these flames real fast, get a swipe on him and then turn back around and run off before I get burned by Mm -hmm. something. And uh, I had a, 
a ton of trouble with this at first. And then I finally got it down pretty well. But um, I was still, it was still taking, I was still having trouble because I was not doing much damage to him. So even though I, I, I was doing pretty well about dodging the flames, the fact that I did so much little damage meant that like, I, I couldn't do it perfectly enough to kill him yeah. before I ended up dying just from, you know, every once in a while getting hit. And then, so I went out and like leveled up one time and came back and killed him in like a few minutes. <laughs> it wow. was, it's really strange. So the leveling is like very odd. Uh, and then the second boss that I fought was extremely easy. He just runs around a circle. He, he just, it's like a snake and he just like runs around you in a circle and you just have to make sure he doesn't act. He doesn't like happen to run into you, and you just attack your parts of his tail as it yeah. as it goes by you, and that's all it is. Uh, and another weird thing, I don't know if this if it's this way in the original game or if this is just kind of like on the remastered version, the way they did it. But the animation for when you attack somebody is very very weird. There isn't there actually isn't an animation. So it, it doesn't show you swinging your sword or anything. It just shows you, you know, you just see yourself running basically through a bad guy, but it does a little swipe, you know, like a lot of ga- times on games, like it, when you swing your sword, you can see the little swipe uh, motion behind yeah. it. Well, it shows like a little swipe motion, but it doesn't actually show you swinging the sword at all. Interesting. It just shows like, as if you had swung your sword, here's the swipe motion that would have been okay. behind it. <laughs> that kind of makes sense, I guess, but not really. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So um, that's about it. I, it didn't really, you know, once I played about four hours, there wasn't anything keeping me going on it because there wasn't anything interesting or unique about the story. Uh, obviously, the battle system was very unique, but not that fun. And, uh, you know, it just turned out to be very, very, very standard Besides the battle, besides the, you know, the battling, which, which became repetitive. So, uh, you know, it wasn't terrible by any means, but it just wasn't, you know, once I got four hours in, I felt like I had seen everything there is to see. I can respect that. All right. My second game. Jay, I finally fucking did it. Oh yeah. What you got? Dead or Alive Extreme Beach Volleyball. Oh no. <laughs> I was almost excited for a second. This uh, this gem came out in 2003 for Xbox. Um, I'm surprised that I've never played this game before. I, I've talked about it Me on too. the podcast a lot. <laughs> I talked about it on the podcast a lot. Uh, and I really, I, I, I remember when it came out, me and a friend of mine were like, holy shit, we got to see this. But um, and I've, I know I've told this before, so sorry for being repetitive, but I would have bought it, but it was $60 for a game that seemed like it had very limited content. Uh, And so I was just kind of like, you know, that's kind of a lot to play for this or a lot to pay for this. So, uh, but I, but I bought it now. I've been wanting to check it out ever since. And I finally have. And so, so Dead or Alive Extreme Beach Volleyball is a spinoff of the uh, of the Dead or Alive fighting game series that you may have heard about, that's uh, that's widely known for it's it's the the girls in the game. So, in fact, I don't even know what console Dead or Alive One was on, but Dead or Alive Two was on PS Two. PS One, probably, probably, because Dead or Alive Two was on PS uh, Two and Dead or Alive Three was on Xbox. 
So yeah, probably you're, I'm sure the first one was PlayStation one and it's known for having like very voluptuous women in it with very small clothing frequently. (laughs) And you can also, there, there's a setting on the games for age, but all the age setting does, it goes, I don't know what the, I don't even know if it goes, it probably goes down to one. I think it goes one to 99. And what that setting actually is, is how, Basically, how freely the boobs jiggle when I had a feeling it was going to do something to do with boob support, but I was, I was in my head, I'm like, that's ridiculous. They would like, no, they could, no, not even exactly they would go was. that far. <laughs> no, that's that's exactly it. How how much the boobs bounce and jiggle around and stuff. Uh, zero to ninety nine. And uh, so this is, like I said, this is this is a spinoff of that fighting game series. In this game, you pick one DOA girl to play as. It uses the same girls from the games, and you play volleyball. So you're on an island, like a tropical island, or like a small private tropical island owned by Zach, who is also a character from uh, the DOA. There, there are male characters in the in the game. I didn't even know that actually. That's so <laughs> funny. <laughs> I actually didn't know that. That's awesome. No, there definitely are. It's, there's like almost probably just about as many males as there are uh, guys as there are girl, really? uh, girls. Yeah. Uh, but the girls are the only thing that anybody cares about. I hate you. So Zach, so Zach is one of the guys, and he owns this island. And there's this ridiculous cutscene at the beginning of the game where they're riding on a giant cruise ship to Zach's island, and Zach, and it looks exactly like the Titanic, by the way. I don't know if that's on purpose or not, but um, they're uh, they're on the on the deck. It's Zach and this one girl, and she says something like, "Who? Like, what's that?" And she sees his island. And he's wearing a he's wearing like a tuxedo, but he also has a cape on. And he rips off his cape, and he has a jetpack on underneath it. And he flies off into the sky. And then there's music playing and stuff. And then his jetpack dies, and he crashes into the water. And that's it. And then you go to the island. <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> and so, basically, you're just there to spend every day. Uh, playing beach volleyball and relaxing. There's there's pretty much no goal, at least as far as I could determine, besides just playing volleyball and collecting tons of random shit. Uh, some of the stuff can sort of be used in game. That some of the collectible stuff can kind of like it has a use, and some of it doesn't, and it's purely just a collectible item. And they even had collectible items in the fighting games. It's, it's like oh, if you do this or that, it's kind of like achievements, if I remember correctly. You can uh, you get like a a piece of watermelon or like a dog collar or you know, just like super random shit. Um, some of the stuff you can collect in this game, uh, you can get bathing suits, for instance, and those, as you can imagine, those actually do have a use. You can you can wear them. I hate you. <laughs> uh, you get like a bottle of juice. You get flowers. You get a teddy bear. You get bows to wear in in your hair. Um, like just about anything you could say, it doesn't have this. And there's like a good chance it probably does. I'm sure there's like, you know, a fucking looking around my office. There's probably a teapot and a toy car and a watch. You know, I'm, I'm sure I would, I would not be surprised at all if all three of those things were in the game. Uh, and so you're just playing beach volleyball and collecting shit. So you get things, you, you get these collectibles, uh, mostly by playing volleyball matches, uh, getting money, and then spending it in stores. Also, Zach sends you a gift to your room every night. So there's like a day-night cycle. 
it kind of like the the it's basically like a menu system and it's like okay where do you want to go now you can go here and play volleyball you can go play volleyball at the beach at the beach or at this other spot of the beach or you can go to the pool or you can go to like you know there's a few shops you can go to and every time you pick one of those things and you do whatever you want to do there and then you go back and t- and it, then it's like you know, maybe it was morning. Now it's late morning or now it's, you know, afternoon. And after you do a few things and it gets to be night and you have to go back to your room. And every night when you go back to your room, as I said, uh, Zach has sent you a gift and it's usually just another, just a random collectible or it's always just a random collectible item. So that's the other way you get stuff is he automatically sends you stuff every day. Uh, one time I got a demo tape for the first DOA game. And that was actually kind of cool. You could actually watch it. And it was like a promo for DOA one. That was kind of that was really kind of fun to watch. One time he sent me a gun. What? <laughs> and uh, it seems kind of uh, kind of ominous, but anyway, he he sent me a gun as a gift, and it said like, if it's something that could presumably be used, there will be when you when you go and look at the gun in your like collectible inventory, there there might be an option to to do whatever it does. And one thing says like pull the trigger, and I clicked it. What? And it's <laughs> and it just made a clicking noise and says like, "Oh, there's no ammo." <laughs> okay, good. I um, was like, "You to become like some sort of sociopath or something." <laughs> no, that's that's already assumed if you're playing this game. That is true. So the game progresses, like I said, from morning to evening every day. At every point, you choose what to do. Um, Volleyball—that's the main part of the game, right? That's why yeah, everybody's ball. here. Right, right, right. Yeah, exactly. You have one person who is your partner, and that's your partner every game. You don't, you can change partners, but but more or less you're sticking with the same person. Uh, and as I said, you pick one girl, and you're playing as that girl throughout the game. And so, whenever it's time for you to choose what to do, there are there are three areas that you can play volleyball in. You can pick, you know, based on it'll show like who's who's at this area, and that'll be the team that you're playing against. Or so, and sometimes only two of the three areas might have people. So you just kind of say, okay, I want to play here or I want to play against these people and you play volleyball. Um, you put, you play against them and you get money if you win. One thing that I've been wrong about all these years is that uh, I swear I read somewhere that you can play the game one-handed, but that's actually not true. You do need to use the joystick. Would I, 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 well, why would you want to play one-handed, Robert? <laughs> I don't know. But Why I read, would you want to play one-handed, Robert? I read somewhere, Robert, that, that you don't have to use the joystick. You only have to use the buttons because your character- joystick are we talking about, here, Robert? <laughs> Good one. You're welcome. Uh, what I read was that your character right, automatically right. runs under the ball, and then all you have to do is hit the button to hit it. But that's actually not true. You can, uh, you, you do need to control your character. So, I, and I've said that on the podcast here. So, sorry for for false information. Um, so gameplay, it's first to seven, you have to win by two. It's, it's two on two beach volleyball. You got your teammate, they've got theirs and you just run under the ball and you, and the, the, the only buttons are the joystick button and A and B you run under the ball, you press A to hit it back or you press B to kind of hit it and toss it up for your partner to hit back. Um, that's pretty much it. Defensively, you can, you can press a to jump up and try to block it. if, you know, if they're jumping up also at the net and about to try to slam it over, you can do that. And that's really all the mechanics uh, that there are to the gameplay. 
surprisingly, it's not the deepest uh, volleyball, uh, beach ball, volleyball simulator ever. I actually can't tell if you're being serious anymore now. Well, I'm saying the game is very simple. I know. I'm trying. There, maybe there, maybe there's not another beach volleyball game that's 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 more in depth because maybe there's not another beach volleyball game. Period. I don't know. I'm not a connoisseur of beach volleyball games. Somebody write in and tell us. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? Uh, it seems like you're supposed to be able to hit the ball harder based on how hard you press the button, but I really couldn't tell any difference whatsoever. No matter what I did, nothing really seemed to make a difference. Which, which actually kind of leads me to, the game was actually very hard. The volleyball portion of this game is surprisingly hard for a number of reasons. One, it's really hard to find a place to hit the ball. So you can also kind of, you know, press this way or that on the joystick to uh, influence like where you're hitting the ball, whether you want to hit it farther to the back or to the side or whatever. But I could not find a reliable way to hit it to where they had trouble hitting it back. They almost always were able to hit the ball back regardless of where I hit it. If I hit it to where nobody was, they would just dive there and hit it. If I hit it to where they were, they'd stay there and hit it. If I hit it short, the person in front would hit it. If I hit it to the back, the person in the back would hit it. I could not come up with any reliable way. I ever, you know, Every once in a while, I would hit it to them and they would miss it. But I, f- I feel like every time that happened, I was just getting lucky. I really don't know what the actual strategy is or if there is any strategy to be had. Uh, so that's tough because they always seem to be able to hit it back. But what also sucks is that if you're up by the net, so basically wherever you go, your teammate, thankfully, will go to the opposite end. So if you stay in the back, they'll stay up front. If you move up to the front, they'll move to the back. But if you're up front, it's due to the camera angle, um, it's very hard to tell. It's pretty hard to tell, um, if you're lined up with the ball, like okay. it might be a little bit to your character's right or left, but it's really hard to tell that from, from the camera angle. Also the camera angle like perfectly shows the opposing team, but they only show like the, f- like the closest 75% of your side of the net for some reason. Uh, so you can't see a lot of the time you cannot see the very back of your side of the, of the volleyball area. So if you line up, like I said, if you line up, if you're the person close to the net, it's hard to tell if you're lined up correctly. If you play in the back, sometimes you can't even see your character. And so they might hit it to where you generally are. And, and sometimes your character uh, will kind of generally move a little bit to the direction. So maybe I guess that's why people say you can play one handed because they will move somewhat on their own, I think. Or maybe actually, no, I take it back. I think it, what it was is it's a little bit it's it's fairly forgiving on where on where you are. Maybe I don't know. I don't remember. But if they hit it to the back, you can't see where you are. Usually you're in a good enough place to where you can press A or B and hit it. However, sometimes your character will jump up in the air like they're really going to slam it from the back. But you can't see that because you can't actually even see your character and you can't adjust the camera either. And so they're jump, they've jumped them in the air, but you expect them to be down on the ground. So you're waiting till the volleyball gets low <laughs> and then you're trying to time it based on what little you can see. And then so you hit it as if they're standing there. But then they miss it and you're like, oh, what happened? And then you see them like coming down from the air because they had jumped like six feet up in the air to, yeah. to try to slam the ball. It's really bizarre 
that they don't sh- that they show the other team perfectly, but they don't show all of your court, even if you're the character you're controlling. You know, you're controlling is in the back. Weird. Uh, so that made it very hard also. So I lost many more games than I, I won like two games and I probably played 10 games of beach volleyball on, on here. Uh, so if you lose too many games, your partner will get mad and leave you and you cannot play until you find a new partner and nobody will just be like, Oh yeah, I'll be your partner. The only way, uh, to get somebody to be your partner is to buy them gifts. So what? you can go to the store and buy the collectible stuff. Like I was talking about, right. Or you could buy like, you know, uh, like different bikinis or whatever that you, that you want your character yeah. to wear. But you can also buy like, if you want to buy something instead of keeping it for yourself as a collectible, you can give it to another character and that'll make them like you more. And you just do this until sometimes one present is all it takes. Sometimes it might take more. Sometimes, they might not like the present and it'll actually make them like you less if you buy them something that they don't like. And there's no indication on what they do or don't like. So you might just be wasting money giving someone a present. Uh, one time I lost a, my partner and I gave, I bought somebody a fucking tomato and that made them like me. And then they joined Obviously. me as my teammate. <laughs> they said like, oh, thank you. I'll take great care of this. Uh, so, uh, so... That's frustrating, but also think about the cycle that happens here. You lose too many games, right? You don't have money, okay. they, but but you have to spend money to get people to uh, to like you more. So where do you get money from? Well, as far as I can tell, if you're not playing volleyball, there are two ways to get money. One is the casino. When, when you go back to your room at night, before you go to sleep, you have the option to go to the casino and just play basically any casino game and gamble your money. Um... You can also that that and it's not fun. I did it one time. You can also play this stupid little pool game, like poolside game, where you. So one of the things you can do, like I said, you can play volleyball, or you can say, "Oh, I want to go shopping," or you can say, "I want to go to the pool." And when you go to the pool, you have a couple options. One of them is to play this dumb game where are these little there's these little floats in the pool. And you just have to jump on one float to the next until you get across to the other side of the pool. And then if you do it successfully, you get some money. Um, it's all based on the how far um, like apart the floats are from each other. And you have to hit it a little bit harder. If You have to hit the jump button a little bit harder. You don't control like which direction they're going. This one, you truly do only need one hand. All you're hitting is the jump button. And like, if it's a little farther, you hit the button a little harder. If it's a float that's really close, then you just barely kind of tap the button. And then you do this and just try to get them. You do like five times and they get from one side to the other. And it's like, yay, you get a little bit of money. Usually whenever I lost a partner, it was such a fucking hassle to try to get a new one that I would just start my game over. Because I was usually only because I was only like ever two or three days in when this happened because I suck so bad at it. So I wasn't like losing any progress besides, you know, like three fucking things that I had maybe bought or that Zach had bought me. So I would just start over because I'm like, I I don't want to just play this pool game and buy random shit for people and hope one of them wants to eventually become my partner. I'm just going to start over and try again. I, you know, wasn't expecting this to be a good game, but it's, I 
liked it a lot less than I I thought it was going to be one of those ones like this isn't a good game but I kind of you know I'm I I, I kind of like playing it um yeah I know you did it's but that's not what it was I actually genuinely did not like this game pretty much at all uh wow. because it's just so frustrating the volleyball aspect of it is frustrating losing partners is frustrating trying to find new ones is frustrating there's really not much left there to salvage one of the things you can do um <laughs> at the pool is uh is rest so when you go to the pool you have a few options you can like change your bathing suit or you can of change <laughs> yeah of course you can change the way your hair is styled so you can like put it in i don't know fucking pigtails if you wanted to or you can braid it or do whatever um and then one of the things you can do is just uh rest <laughs> <laughs> and it just all it is is your character lays down in like one of those little chairs that's out by the side of the pool you know that like reclines yeah. it just shows your character laying there and you just watch them laying there for as long as you want of to course you do. <laughs> that's literally what it is. and the camera kind of slowly you can move you can adjust the camera but the camera on its own kind of slowly moves around a little bit and they will uh um like shift and kind of like, you know, lay on their stomach for a while and then kind of like move around a little bit, maybe lay on their side for a second, then lay on their back for a little bit. And then the camera, as you can imagine, is going like, you know, perfect angles for like, oh, it's, <laughs> you, you can kind of guess, you know, yeah. what the camera yeah. does. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I got you. Um, so that's pretty hilarious. You can also do a similar thing if there's a, if there are, like I said, there are two beach locations and one jungle locations that all have uh, volleyball that where you can play volleyball. But sometimes one of those locations won't have anybody there and you can choose okay. that location and it does a similar thing. It's not them just laying there, but it might be them just kind of like walking around at the beach. They'll like relax at this location if there's nobody there and they'll say like, Oh, it's like nobody's around. <laughs> just like, <laughs> and then I'll just show them like walking or uh, stretching or doing yoga with all the camera angles that you would also expect from from something like that. Uh huh. Did Did I send you a picture the the picture from the manual? I mean, look at the picture of our Discord channel. Okay. Yes, that's not from this game specifically. It's from a later DOA okay. game. Okay, okay, Jay? Sorry, didn't mean to insult. My apologies, sir. It's from DOA, I don't know, like Venus Vacation or something like that. Um, I'm trying to find... Let me see. I'm going to text you this right now just so you can see. This This is a picture from the man... Oh, no, I did send it to you. Go back and look at your text a little bit. Just scroll up a little ways. And there's oh, like, I think I do remember this now. Like, there's even pictures in the manual. It's like, okay, yeah. Specifically, they took a picture of this pose for very obvious reasons. It's, it's one of uh, Kasumi oh, yeah. stretching. Yeah, yeah, so right you can pretty much you use your imagination and all, probably guess exactly accurately <sighs> what I'm talking about. Yeah, what you did, yeah. I can tell you that. <laughs> um, oh, and also the, the uh, soundtrack is kind of painful. Unless wow. you are, unless you're a teenage girl in the nineties, you're not going to like the soundtrack. It is as far as like, I, I believe I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I think it's all licensed music. Okay. It's like, for instance, Christina Aguilera is one of like one of her songs wow. is the soundtrack. It's stuff like that, that you're listening to the entire time. 
I actually went, there's a part you can go in and check or, or uncheck songs that you want to play. Like while you're playing, I just went through and unchecked all of them. Cause I couldn't take it anymore. That's pretty brutal. Uh, I was disappointed. I got to say, I thought there'd be, you know, a little bit, a little bit to enjoy here, <laughs> maybe. Uh, but there wasn't, there honestly wasn't, I didn't like any of it. I'm kind of proud of you, honestly. <laughs> Not going to lie. Um, maybe this is a turning point in my maturation as an adult. Maybe let's not, let's not get too too crazy here. Honey, Honey Pop Two is supposed to come out this year. Let's let's wait. Let's not get too ahead of ourselves. Oh, Roberto. So that's it for uh, DOA Extreme Beach Volleyball. I'm sorry that uh, it's for me. Even going into it with I think realistic expectations, it uh, it didn't live up to those expectations. So uh, let's talk about our game of the quarter. Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga. This came out for Game Boy Advance in 2003. Oh, we got two Game Boy Advance games this time. How about that, Jay? Yep. And uh, and it was re-released for 3DS in 2017. It got like a graphical makeover. They released it uh, along with a mini game, Bowser's Minions, uh, in 2017 for 3DS. So, Jay, why don't you kick us off? So, this was, as, as we I think we mentioned earlier... Uh, it was my turn to pick, and for my turn, I wanted you to um, choose an RPG. You gave me a few options, and we went with this one. So why don't you kick us off? Uh, so this is a game that I play. I have played previously. Um, I had played this game when I was a kid, 100% of the way through, uh, and remembered it very fondly. Um, it's your, you know, your, your typical Mario RPG. Um, it has turn-based combat. A lot of really, you know, kind of childish humor, but with some some edgy remarks at times, jumping puzzles, you know, the whole, whole kit and caboodle, a lot, a lot of side, um, I would say kind of secrets and things you can access throughout the game um, that as you kind of progress, you know, you get better better items or maybe a better hammer or new abilities that allow you to progress in different directions throughout the game. Um, so this game, I remembered very fondly. Um, I had a very high regard for this game, and I have a feeling that you probably enjoyed this actually more than I did. Um, wow, really? I enjoyed it. Yeah, I enjoyed it. But for me, I got kind of frustrated at a few things. So for me, the, the things that really bothered me was, I'll kind of talk about the negatives. For, uh, let's talk about the positives first. So what sure. does this game do well? Um, the game starts off very quickly. You know, you have one of the, the basic Mario intros. Peach is, is, is captured, but in kind of a unique way. She's not actually captured, just her voice has been taken. And <laughs> yeah. my, my kind of understanding of it was, her voice wasn't taken. It just seemed like she was swearing a lot. Because when she would talk, it would be the, this garbled speech. And the actual text boxes, when she, would, when she would finish, the letters would fall out of the text box and fall to the ground and explode like they were little bombs. Well, they, said they, they said they replaced her voice with explosions or something like that. Yeah. And I took that as almost like explicitives, like okay, okay. language or something. Gotcha. That was kind of how I, I thought of it. Because... The way people reacted to it, it almost seemed like Princess Peach, who's kind of like you know the holiest Mario character, <laughs> was somehow just like saying these like super inappropriate things, which was kind of funny to me. That's an um, interesting just, take on it. I, I hadn't thought about that, but that's a really interesting way of putting uh, of thinking about it. that. That may be what they were going for. I hadn't considered I that. I think that's what they were trying to get at, but I, I could be overthinking it as well. Uh, it's obviously assumed that Bowser's involved, and he's not. 
He's actually not involved at all. Um, it's this sort of alien-like creature who is more or less possessing different people and, and doing some kind of fucked up stuff. And that's kind of how the game starts. And then, you know, you have your typical Mario wants to go save Peach. He's dragging Luigi with him. Luigi's got toilet paper hanging off his leg as they, they go on to the beginning of the <laughs> All right. Now, now, the actual game, um, it, the, you know, you essentially walk around the world. Um, anytime you interact with the creature, it goes into a turn-based combat system. And similar to other Mario RPGs, if you jump on the monster before the combat, you get an advantage. If you hammer them before the, the combat begins, you get an advantage. And vice versa, if they jump on you or hit you with things, then they get an attack on you. So uh, what does this game do well? The combat is fun. It is a little bit repetitive, obviously, because it's a turn-based um, RPG. But some of the inputs are, are very interesting. So when you jump on a creature, if you hit an input correctly, you can do bonus damage. If you um, are using your hammer and you're going to swing, you can use an input to do bonus damage. And on the flip side, if you're getting attacked, in most cases, you can either deflect the damage using your hammer or potentially even deal damage back to them using your hammer. Or if they are doing an ability where you can jump, um, you can use the jump command in order to avoid damage and, again, in certain cases, cause damage back to the monsters. And this, can, this happens for small battles and boss battles as well. So you can theoretically go throughout the game without taking any damage if you're good enough and you understand the, the input commands well enough. So that part is, is pretty exciting um, because you really get punished if you are not trying or if you're, you know, when you were playing a, a turn-based RPG like Final Fantasy, generally you're just hitting AA, 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 AA to queue up all your attacks and then your, your, the combat happens. In this one, you kind of have to pay attention. When, you're, when your units are getting attacked, you can avoid damage. When you're attacking, you can then cause damage in turn, which is kind of interesting. Uh, on top of that, you have what's called the bros moves which there's a couple different ones. And essentially, if you're... And I forgot to mention this. For all of Luigi's inputs, his are B. For all of Mario's inputs, his are A. Oh, right. So, yeah, so... And, and they're color-coded. So Mario, Luigi, Green, you know, Red, Mario, etc. When you're doing the bros moves, um, they have input commands. They're basically like a combination move with Mario and Luigi. And each, each, bro, each brother of Mario and Luigi has their own unique turn. So... Uh, on Mario's turn, you can do a basic jump attack, a basic hammer attack. You could use an item to heal you or Luigi or resurrect him or cure status ailments, or you can do a bros move. And the bros moves have three general input commands. There's one that has a few more, but essentially the bros moves queue up and the, the Mario one, he essentially gets ready to jump on Luigi's head. So you have to input A at the correct time. And then the second input command is is B because Luigi has to then jump to, to shoot Mario up in the air. And then the third input is Mario A again, and he's crash landing. And if you time it, if you time all three of these, you do extra damage. If you fail them, you do a miss and you do a little bit of damage. And it uses mana points in, in essence. Luigi, conversely, B, A, B, right? He has to time his B, then, it, then A, then B. Um, some of the later ones, when you do the hammer ones, are kind of fun because if you do the first two inputs correctly, then Mario or Luigi will do this tornado where they're swinging their hammer and you can hit A repeatedly to do a bunch of damage. And again, if you do the inputs correctly, you can you can get a bunch of damage uh, going. Now, one of the things that's exciting is every time you level, you, the brothers are given certain stats. HP, power, which affects your damage. Uh, BP, which is your mana. Um, defense, which obviously adds to your defense. Speed, which allows you to get, you know, when you initiate combat, who gets to go first. And then last is stash, which is S-T-A-C-H-E which is short for mustache. And what that essentially does is it just reduces the cost of all items throughout the game, which is kind of cool. Um, so when I was playing this game, I went legit. And so by the way, after you level, you get you know a variety of stats. You might get like one, one mana point or BP, whatever you want to call it, power, one defense, no stash this time, maybe one speed as well. And then you get to choose 
to, in, uh, to increase a, a specific stat as well. And when you do so, based on, and this is my understanding, and this is maybe me not understanding this that well, based on the stat, there is a, a sort of a dice roll that happens, and you can get plus one to the stat, two, three, four, five. Uh, I, th I think five is the most that I've seen. And if you're low on a stat, meaning you've kind of neglected, let's say your HP, it, your dice roll could be three, four, five, three, four, five. So you, you, have a, you have a chance of getting five, but you also have a low chance of getting three. But if you've been spamming power, which is what I did, um, your, your bonus roll could be ones and twos, which is, it's like four yeah. ones and two twos. So I went straight power. And it was fun. I did a lot of damage, but I also got one shot by a lot of things. Like when you get into, when you start progressing, kind of what you were talking about when you over level a zone. But in this case, when you move to the next zone and you're not leveled enough for it, the monsters hit so hard that you're just struggling to get through each individual combat. So though you do have the choice to kind of go for all power or like all defense, if you want to be super tanky or whatever you want to do, you generally have to have a little bit of variety because you need to be able to survive damage by having enough health or having enough defense while still initiating enough power. Um, so the combat's done really well and there, there's definitely some, there's some fun aspects to it. Some of the monsters are freaking annoying, kind of like the Wario games, they will stagger their attacks or they'll hesitate to try and throw off your timing so that they will hit you. And then other monsters will summon additional monsters, which can be really frustrating as well because if you're constantly having to deal with these extra mobs that are being added to the combat, you just end up never killing the actual primary target. Um, there's equipment that your characters can get. There's overalls and badges. The overalls just give you stats. And then the badges can be things like deal bonus damage, do double damage when you jump on a spike target. Because normally if you jump on a spike target in any Mario game, you just take damage. So there's these different badges as well that can add different mechanics for your characters uh, that make it pretty exciting. So where does the game fall short for me? Um, the, out, the outer world. So when you're walking around in, in the world, they, they obviously give you general directions. They highlight, they color code the text to say, go here, go do this, blah, 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 blah. Great, that's fine. So you generally know where to go. There's sign postings everywhere that kind of give you an idea of where to go. Not a big deal. The thing that irritates me is there are a lot of jumping puzzles. So when you're in the outer world, you have Mario and Luigi, and each, each of them, so I was trying to talk about before, they each have their own unique inputs, A and B. Um, Mario, you can swap them by hitting start. So if Mario is the leader, you can press start to switch to Luigi as the leader, and I'll explain why you'd want to do that in a second. So by pressing the R and L buttons, you can swap the current action that is queued up for Mario or Luigi. The default is jump. So if you hit A, Mario will jump. If you hit B, Luigi will jump. And if you hit A and B at the same time, they both jump. Um, there are, so if, if Luigi is in second uh, in the line and you swap to his secondary ability, it is a bigger jump. And what he does is he jumps off of Mario's head to go higher up, which allows you to progress throughout the game. I despise this ability. This ability is so frustrating to use because what ends up happening is, for whatever dumbass reason, when you queue it up, you jump on Mario's head, and then if you don't hit the input correctly to, to then follow up, Luigi just sits there and bounces on Mario's head repeatedly. And what ends up happening in most cases, if you're trying to avoid combat, you're screwed. The monsters will guaranteed get a jump attack on you because you're, you walk up to a, a, the edge of a cliff and you press the B button, Luigi jumps on Mario's head, you press the B button again to initiate the secondary jump, which essentially is Luigi bouncing off Mario's head and he actually picks up Mario at the same time to then bring you to the higher level. What ends up happening is you end up just getting stuck in this dumbass kind of <laughs> vortex where Luigi's just constantly bouncing on Mario's head. You can't move. You can't cancel the action. And then you get initiated by a monster, which is really frustrating. 
Um, conversely, if Mario is in second, you have this, this uh, separate jump ability that essentially Mario jumps onto Luigi's head and he does sort of a whirlwind that allows you to go a longer distance. So if you have a large gap, you can jump from one section to the other by utilizing this jump ability. Um, another ability that they both share is to have the hammer. When you're out of combat, you can use the hammer to smash rocks. But additionally, if Mario is second, he can then hit Luigi on the top of the head, which will actually push him underground, which will allow access to different things throughout the game. Uh, it can allow you to buy, buy, bypass gates, to access burrowed items, et cetera, et cetera. If Mario is in the front and Luigi's in the back, Luigi can hit Mario. He becomes small, almost like he looks just like the Super Mario Brothers NES small Mario, which can then allow him access into certain areas of the map because, again, he's very small. Um, the last ability that I got to, which I don't think there's much more beyond this, is you get the ability, Mario gets the ability to cast fire and Luigi gets the ability to cast lightning. And these abilities have some unique aspects of them that allow you to, again, access different portions of the map. So why is, the reason that this drives me so nuts is the, the jumping puzzles get extremely repetitive. You are progressing through these maps and you have to then use, you know, you have to jump on Mario's head to get higher in the elevations. You then have to switch the characters to then, you know, whirlwind across a large gap. And partially, I think part of my frustration with this is I wasn't actually playing on a Game Boy. I think if I would have played on a Game Boy, it would have been much more enjoyable. I was playing on a touchscreen. So when you're trying to do these, I wouldn't say they're intricate inputs, but when you're trying to do these kind of timing commands, it's very frustrating when you have to aim, because when you're doing certain actions like the whirlwind ability that allows you to go longer distance, you have to aim your character correctly where it may be a direct angle. It may be you know, straight forward or straight to the right or whatever it may be. If you're using a touchscreen, it's very easy to accidentally let go or to slightly veer off the wrong direction and then fall. And you have to redo the jumping puzzle all over again, which usually involves having to do a bunch of repetitive fights that can be kind of annoying. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to stop there because there's, there's obviously more I can talk about. If you want to jump in, Robert, on any of the things I've talked about or to add anything to it. Um, were, you, were you playing the 3DS version or the GBA version? I was playing the GBA version. Okay. That's, that's what I assumed. Um, mine was, I was playing the 3DS version, by the way. Which, oh, okay. as, as I said, I'm pretty sure they're basically exactly the same, just besides the graphics. Um, uh, and the 3DS one has the extra little Bowser's Minions minigame thing on it. But yeah, gotcha. uh, everything I, pr I pretty much agree with. I didn't, uh, I think they, I didn't ever encounter a situation that you talked about where Luigi would just like bounce continually, uh, continuously on Mario's head. So they must have fixed that or taken that out or something like that. For me, it was always pretty straightforward. If he, if he went on, you hit the button, Luigi goes and jumps on Mario's head and waits until you hit it again, and then they both leap up super far. I do remember on the original GBA version the same thing happening, too. So I, I don't, yeah, I, I think it was specifically the GBA version that this happened. Okay, probably so. But anyway, we're, yeah, it's, I mean, obviously it's still a valid complaint, but I just, I just no, didn't no, experience no. that. Yeah. Um, but I, I think you're pretty right on so far. Um, I, uh, so, so some of the things that I that I liked about it, but so you went into the combat pretty well. The combat is is fine for me. Like I don't dislike it. I don't yeah. super love it. I prefer one, one one thing that I would prefer is like I like Final Fantasy style uh, battles where it's more about you know obviously those get repetitive sometimes, but the good ones you have to strategize right. You have to say like all right, I'm going to use this spell. I'm going to cast this with this character and then I'm going to cast this and then uh, maybe I'll heal with this guy if I need to. And then this guy's going to come in and do damage. And 
you do that because different characters have different abilities, different spells, and that kind of stuff. In these games, you really don't, or particularly this one, um, you don't really, you don't have that at all because all of your, you don't, ha- you don't have anything like spells. The closest thing you have to spells is bros, the, the bros yeah. attacks. And all those are, it's the same thing that you've been doing. It just, they just do extra damage. You have a limited amount of them. You use is it, it's honey, right? Is it honey points? I think so. I never use a single honey. I never needed to. Oh, the sir, you mean to refill your bros points? Yeah, I never had to refill it once. I did a few times, mostly on boss battles and primarily just the final boss. Because when I would get to a boss battle, I would just use bros attacks constantly. Yeah. Because uh, they do I so much more damage. Uh, but, yeah, so you're, you don't actually, you're not doing any sort of strategizing because every single attack of every type that you do is just a damage dealing attack. The only other thing you can do is like use an item to heal or something like that, but there's no healing spells. There's no, um, yeah, I guess there are some bros attacks that, that do a little bit of AOE or, or target multiple yeah. people as opposed to just one, but that's the extent of it. So I, I would prefer something more like, Oh, I can, you know, I have a few different spells to choose from and I can, you know, maybe make this guy, you know, hit less often, you know, or like a blind spell or make him a little slower. So that's, that's what I would prefer. But again, that's, that's just not what this game is doing. So it's, it's good for what it does. It keeps you interested well enough. Um, I do also wish, and again, this just isn't what this game is doing. I'm not saying it should, but what I prefer is throughout my game, like getting new weapons and seeing what kind of like badass new, like strong oh, yeah. weapons I can get sure. that there's really that this game really doesn't have that. You do upgrade your hammer twice <laughs> in the whole entire yeah. game. But other than that, you're not getting new weapons or anything like that. Uh, so, I mean, you do get new armor and that I, actually, to be fair, they do a pretty good job of giving a wide variety of armor. So it's not always just like, mm-hmm. Oh, the, you get overalls and it's not always just, Oh, this one's more powerful than the last one. All of them have some sort of bonus. Like one might be, oh, you heal a little bit whenever you do damage or you earn bros points when you do damage or, uh, you know, what what's another example? Like if a character does this sort of attack on you, then you will automatically dodge it or, you know, things like that. Oh, yeah. So they do a pretty good job of like that with the with with your, you know, quote armor. But I like having I like being able to say, oh, shit, I got this badass new weapon. Let's go kill some motherfuckers. And this game just doesn't have that. Again, it's just really not what it's going for, but that's the style of RPG that I prefer. Uh, I get the feeling it's 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 a very, I don't want to say watered down, but it's a pretty simplistic RPG. You know, you know what I mean? Like it's not it's not trying to do too much. It's not trying well, yeah, it's not trying to do too much RPG wise. It's trying to do something different, which is time the attacks and the dodges and stuff. Yeah. It's it's much it, that that's the whole point of the combat as opposed to you know, getting better gear and strategizing and stuff. So it's just going for something else, which is perfectly fine. It's just not what I prefer, but I'm not saying I don't like this game. I did really like it. over. Well, I did like it overall. I didn't absolutely love it. I probably would not go back and play it again, but I did beat the game. uh, Yeah. And I, I, I didn't feel like it was a chore to do so. I had fun. So yes, it's, it's definitely a very solid game. Um, I, uh, what I like more than the combat is just the overall, like, tone of the game and the humor. Yeah, the humor was good. The humor, the humor is great. It's, uh, it's up there with the original, uh, with, with Super Mario RPG. It is, um, and, you know, just like the world of, just like the world in any Super Mario game is just 
fun. It's just pleasant to look at. It's nice and colorful. The bad guys are funny looking. There's a there's a huge you know pretty huge variety of bad guys. Um, you know, a lot of it is turtles and, and Goombas, but there's also a lot of other stuff too. Um, so again, they do a really good job overall. One of my favorite parts was at the beginning when, um, you're on Bowser's ship and it crashes mm-hmm. and uh, one of the, uh, I think it's one of the, um, one of the Koopa Troopas maybe is saying like, oh no, I can't believe Bowser's ship crashed. We hadn't even finished making the payments on it. (laughs) (laughs) There's a part where, so there's this, there's this whole, most of the story revolves around the bean kingdom. Um, It doesn't, it's, it's not, a lot of it is, uh, it it involves them and you're trying to save the queen bean and you're going around her kingdom trying to do stuff. And the queen bean has fallen into some sort of coma. And there's this stuff called a Chuckola Cola. It's this soda that they make from Chuckola beans. And they're saying that, and, and what you have to do is get a barrel of Chuckola Cola back to Queen Bean so that you can kind of like pour some in her mouth and it's supposed to wake her up. So you go on this big quest, of course, to do so. You beat bosses and stuff. And eventually you get a, you get to a barrel of Chuckola Cola. I don't remember exactly how this happens, but what one way or another, what happens is Mario gets shoved into the barrel and it gets tossed like downstream basically. And so what Mario has to do to survive is drink all the cola in the barrel that he got shoved into so he doesn't drown. So when it arrives, wherever it arrives, Mario gets out and he's like super bloated because he's just full of chocola cola. And what you have to do is walk up to the queen bean and have uh, Luigi jump on top of Mario. So Mario basically barfs all of the soda into the queen bean's mouth. <laughs> and that's what wakes her up. So it's like just ridiculous stuff like that. I think is I think is really funny. There's a as you said. There's occasional little mini games and stuff, which are usually pretty fun. Um, mm-hmm. Any other gameplay stuff that I'm that I'm forgetting about that we haven't talked about yet? There's there's lots of just like little extra things here and there like that. The one area that that really kind of almost made me stop playing was the underwater world. Underwater worlds obviously oh yeah games are so frustrating. But in this world, it was like. You had, in a lot of situations, you had to hit A and B alternately while hitting the D-pad. So it was like you had to do these three inputs at once in order to, to move around this area. And the it was just so obnoxious. And if you if you failed, then you'd fall in these spikes and get reset to the beginning of the room. I forgot about that. That was actually something I le- legitimately was just like, I think I'm going to stop playing at this point. Because it was just so frustrating. Like, it was just so stupid and... Yeah, the, the the tone of the game though is is really good. I, I was trying to think of some of the other things that are really fun. Oh, the, so when you open up your your character menu, you have these little portraits of Mario and Luigi. And throughout the game, there's these there are these photographers you can interact with, and they're oh, like, yeah. "Hey, do you want your photo taken?" And you're like, "Yeah, I want to get my photo taken." They're like, "Great." Uh, so just stand still and don't make a face. Like, don't press up and A at the same time, otherwise <laughs> yeah. you'll look ridiculous. And then you're like, "Okay." So you press up and A, and Mario like does this like really bloated face. And then for the rest of however long till you change your photo again. Mario's face is just super bloated in in all the photos, which is just like it, it's funny. Like it has like this this nonsensical ridiculousness to it that you can you can keep doing different things like that. And I actually really appreciate that. I agree. Uh, yeah, I agree. It is really funny. They're like, yeah, just make sure you don't press up or to the left or anything like yeah. that. <laughs> Good. Okay. Yeah, promise I won't. Um, yeah, that was great. Um, there's little mini games that, that I mentioned, like like one. <laughs> Um, so at one point the, what is it? The star bean or bean, uh, the bean star 
there's this thing called the bean star that gets shattered into pieces and you have to go all around the world and bringing it back together. That's like a huge part, a huge bulk of the game. Uh, one, one of the places you get it from, it's not even a boss you have to fight. It's this guy who makes t-shirts and the way he makes t-shirts is he has these little pipes that shoot out. I think they were little birds that are all like a kind of like, it's like ink birds, like birds made of ink or something like that. Um, or no, no, no. Is it just blobs of ink? No, it is little birds. Cause they fly back and forth. I, and, I didn't do this part. I actually only got one of the fragments. Oh, oh, okay. And so you have to, there's like a, I don't remember the colors, but it's basically a red one, a blue one and a yellow one. And he's like, okay, you have to make me a green shirt. So then you have to, the way they fly back and forth, they do it at different speeds. So you have to time it just right to where you kind of like shoot something across that's going to hit the, uh, you know, if it's green, then you have to hit the blue one and the yellow one and miss the red one while they're both in the middle. So it slams them into the shirt and turns it into a green color. That's just how you get one of the pieces. It's not even a boss battle. So there's little things like that. Uh, there were a couple frustrating parts uh, besides the underwater level, which is just kind of which is just really annoying, and it was also yeah. kind of difficult to figure out where to go on that one. Yep. Yeah, I agree with you on that. It was really annoying. Yeah. Um, and a couple other parts that come to mind were just before the water part when you're on that little. It's like a pirate ship, kind of. There's they're saying like you have to find uh the dynamite or something like that to get this guy unstuck before they'll help you. And uh I could not find I don't remember if it, I don't remember if that was exactly what it was, but you have to find something. And I and I was walking all around the ship. The ship's not that big, but I was going everywhere. I couldn't find Oh, it. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was trying to think what you were talking about. Yeah. There's that just, was really dumb. It was dumb. There's this one spot on the floor that looks slightly different from all the other spots. Yeah, it's, it's like a wooden board or whatever. Yeah, it's just like there's a board there. It's not like you know, on Wolfenstein where a wall might look a little different from the walls surrounding it. It's nothing like that. It's like, Oh, there's just a little board on this part of the drawer, but there's like random little boards, you know, all over the place. Cause it's supposed to look like a patched up ship, but no, there's this one board that you're supposed to smash with your hammer and get stuff out of it. And then there was at the very end, before you get to the final castle, um, they say, okay, you know, I guess, you know, you're supposed to go there and to fight on Bowser's ship. Uh, or it's like his, Bowser's flying castle or whatever it fucking is. And they say, okay, I guess you better find somebody who, who can fly you there. I don't know who that's going to be. So your first instinct is, well, there's an airport. Let's go to the airport. But that's not where you're supposed to go. And I was like, well, I don't know who the fuck else is going to fly me to Bowser's castle. So I wandered around a little bit. I had no clue what was going on. So I finally had to look it up. And at the very beginning of the game, you meet this pterodactyl. And oh yeah, that's right. But that was twenty five fucking hours ago, you know. So yeah, you just have to remember that at the beginning, at the area that you started off, and there was a pterodactyl. Go back to that part of the world and just talk to him. He's like, "Yeah, I'll fly there." <laughs> that's it. So yes, there are a few frustrating parts. Some some of it is maybe a little bit slow. Maybe the maybe the uh, some of the battling isn't as interesting as I wish it was. But I I. I I feel like I'm giving too much attention to the things that I didn't like because overall I really did uh, genuinely enjoy the game. I like this one uh, better than Super Mario RPG. This is wow! The, I like Super Mario RPG more. Yeah, I think most people probably do, but for whatever reason, you know, we've talked about this before. I really just don't care for Super Mario RPG. But so I've played. This is the third Mario RPG game I've played now. I've played this, played Super Mario RPG, and I've played Mario and Luigi Paper Jam 
which I think is it was the was the most recent of all the Mario RPGs. And uh, Paper Jam is my favorite. It's really fun. It's it's very similar to this game, but uh, I, I, I it's it's just better. And uh, so this is this this one I would say is my second favorite of the three that I've played. Gotcha. Anything else? No, I, I don't want to say sound, make it sound like I hated this game too much, but um, I, I did enjoy it. There was just some some things that were just not as exciting as I remember. I was a little bit disappointed from my memory. I'll, I'll put it that way. Okay, that's so. fair. Okay, um, let's go to top fives then. Oh no! First, we got to talk about the next game of the quarter, but we already know what oh, it's yeah. going to be, right? You, are, have you are you sticking with? Yeah, one hundred percent. Okay, so it is uh, Jay's turn to pick our next game of the quarter. Jay, why don't you tell us what you've decided on? Sure. Uh, so, Robert and I have talked about for a while, and I've mentioned a few times, uh, wanting to play Beautiful Joe. And uh, Robert and I both kind of agreed this would be a perfect time, because Robert already has it. And and obviously, with everything going on with, with COVID-19, uh, Robert and I were trying to think of something that would be accessible to both of us without putting either of us at risk. Which Like, I didn't want uh, to, like, you know, in other words, not ordering stuff on eBay from people. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, in the simplest form. So uh, we're going to play Beautiful Joe. Um, I think we, we kind of talked about it. I don't know if, if we want to uh, do it this way, but we did talk about maybe talking about it progressively throughout the next uh, you know, quarter, like once a month, just kind of touch base to see how we're doing with it. Uh, but we, we may not stick to that yet. We're, but overall, by the end of the quarter, we are going to you know play uh, Beautiful Joe and talk about it for the podcast. So Yeah, so Jay had the idea of maybe, maybe as you said, talking about it progressively. And um I, you know, I'll leave that up to you. This, this one, this is your, this is your game of the quarter time. So that's that's up to you. But we, we'll we will have like a main episode where we either talk about it all or kind of like wrap up our conversation about it. And that'll be, as you said, at yeah. the end of the quarter. That'll be the uh, around the end of June is when we'll be talking about that. So if you want to play Beautiful Joe and and send in your thoughts, you know, go ahead and start now if you want, or you can wait and just send in your thoughts at the end. Like usual, we may do a little bit more of a progressive discussion on it. We'll, we'll kind of just see how things go on that. Okay, cool. So that's it for uh, game of the quarter. Now let's move on to top fives. This, uh, this episode's top five list is games to sink tons of time into when you have tons of spare time on your hands. Um, for obvious, for probably obvious reasons, that's, that's what we went with this time. And, um, because many of us do have, uh, extra time on our hands right now. So, uh, I, I think you, I'll give you a break cause you just talked a whole lot about Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga. So I'll go first. My number five game to sink tons of time into when you have tons of spare time is Metal Gear Solid 3. Along with being a fucking amazing video game. It's also got tons of like little, uh, little kind of like Easter eggs and stuff to find. It's got tons of ways you can kind of challenge yourself. You can try to do like a, like a no, um, what is it called? Like no alert run where you play the entire game stealthily and like aren't found, like aren't actually discovered or, or don't set off any alerts throughout the whole game. Obviously it's really hard, but plenty of people have done it. You can try a hard mode run. You can try a run where you, uh, uh, put all the bosses to sleep instead of killing them all. And uh, there's just lots of ways. There's, there's lots of ways to challenge yourself with this game that are all, you know, hard, but it's not like you have to be the world's greatest video game player to do it. They're all, you know, within reason. They're, they're not like extremely impossible or anything like that. Uh, <laughs> and along with that, the game is just amazing. It has 
like one of the best stories ever in a video game. So, uh, yeah, Metal Gear Solid 3, I think, is a solid choice if you've got a bunch of extra time on your hands. Cool. Uh, my number three, or no, my number five, excuse me, is not necessarily this specific one. I guess probably for me, but uh, Gran Turismo 3. Um, oh, as I kind of talked about, yeah, Gran Turismo is, is a game that you can kind of get sucked into very easily. And I, I've talked about before, early on the races, you know, they can take anywhere from like 15 minutes, or eh, 15 minutes is probably up there, like six minutes is like what the early races are like. And then later on, the races take hours. So, I mean, if you have a lot of time and, and you, you're interested, this is a game that you can easily sink, you know, a couple hundred hours into um, just to just to get to, you know, the, the final uh, section of cars and races and stuff. So, I've done it once in my life where I put a lot of time into it. It was well worth it. It was very fun. But man, it is extremely time consuming. And once you start a race, I mean, you can pause, but you generally have to finish a race. Otherwise, you know, somebody might turn up the PlayStation or, or what have you. So, Good one. All right. My number four and all of mine from here on out are all uh, sim ga- or sim slash management games. Oh, man. Uh, actually, no, I take it back. One of them. One of them is not. But uh, yeah, for me in general, those those tend to be the ones that I can really just get lost in for a very long time. And like, yeah. you know, typical situation where like hours pass and it feels like it's been a few minutes. Uh, my number four is going to be Roller Coaster Tycoon 2. <laughs> uh, Good yeah, a classic and very famous uh, sim game. We've talked about it on the podcast before. Now, me personally, I don't love this nearly as much as most other people do who've played it, but I think for most people, this would be the way to go. Uh, it's a sim game. You got, you got tons of freedom with how you set up your, your park. Uh, you have to manage, you know, the people you hire, the janitors that you're that you hire, the money that you're spending on, on maintenance guys and on the rides themselves and on, uh, concession stands and, uh, like souvenir stalls and things like that. You can, uh, and you know, then you're also got to design the layout of your park. See if you want little lakes here and there or, just like, you know, little water attractions or like mascots or, you know, you can decide, oh, hey, I want to sell hats. And everybody walks around wearing a funny looking hat. Then, then you know, the, one of the biggest things were... One of the biggest things that people get sucked into where I didn't so much, but but a lot of people do, the big appeal for them is being able to actually des- design the roller coaster rides themselves. Uh, yeah, me too. I never really got run into that that much myself. Oh, did you not really? No, not really my thing. I generally just like to do the park management piece. Yeah, that, that's the same for me. But a lot of people really love designing the, the roller coasters themselves. It's got actually a surprisingly deep um, roller coaster design system, yeah. not not only in the options that you have for designing the way that they, like, you know, the, the loops and things that they do and the ways that they turn and stuff, but even implementing physics so that you might, yeah. you know, make a complete you know, looping roller coaster, but it might not work just because the car doesn't have enough, you know, uh, uh, enough speed Force. to get past. Yeah. Enough, yeah. enough momentum to get past this one part or to go through this loop or whatever. It's a really an extremely impressive game, especially for, you know, a, a fairly old one. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it's a solid choice. If, if, if you like sim games, roller coaster tycoon is always a solid re- uh, recommendation. And specifically, as I said, roller coaster tycoon too. Cool. Um, actually, my number four was Rollercoaster Tycoon, but I have a couple honorable mentions. I'm going to throw some of them in in place because just kind of keep the conversation going. Okay. Um, so my number four is going to be. It doesn't have to be any specific one again, but um, any of the Pokemon games. Probably for me, it'd be Silver uh. or Gold again, or maybe one of the the re revamped. I forget what they're called, like Gold Plus or whatever. 
these games, obviously, you can dump a lot of time into them. I mean, beating the main game is probably 30, 40 hours, but then, you know, catching every single Pokemon, leveling them up, you know, doing all the extra stuff that you can do in these games can easily, you, you can get the timer up to 99, 99 pretty easily and continue to play through them. So um, for me, if I had if I had that kind of interest, honestly, when we go camping a lot, I usually will pick up a Pokemon game for the trip because it's very fun to just sit in the hammock and just oh, do you? play Pokemon. Oh, it's such a, it's such a, it's, it's like, for, you know, when people say like, I love reading a book, it's kind of like that. Like just sitting there and just relaxing and playing a Pokemon game for hours on end is just, it's a very enjoyable experience. <laughs> nice. Okay. My number three is another tycoon and another tycoon two on top of that. It is a railroad tycoon two. You may uh, remember okay. I talked about this one. I think it was the last episode. It was either the last one yeah, or the yeah, one I before that. So. And, uh, oh man, absolutely phenomenal game. Uh, you just got to sit up. I mean, just go back and listen to that episode because I was blown away by how good this game was. You got to set up your railroad loops, your, your, your different routes, which trains are going to go to which places, what kind of groups of buildings you want to connect to one another. Uh, then there's a, as I, as I mentioned, there's a, an, an organically functioning economy that works based on what you're sending from one place to another and what trains are taking what, and uh, it is just an incredibly deep game, and it's really fun. Along with being a very in-depth simulator, it's really fun to have a big network of uh, of trains and just kind of watch them do their thing. You know, even if you're not really playing, I just kind of would sometimes sit back and just kind of watch my trains go the places they were supposed to be going. And it's it was I get a lot of satisfaction out of just being like, oh, this is a really cool thing that I built up. Cool. All right, number three. Minor 3 is going to be Super Smash Brothers for the GameCube. Um, you have, you know, single-player tournament where you can just play against the AI. You have the mini-games, the, the, excuse me, the punching bag, the target games, uh, the finished maps. You have all the extra achievements you can accumulate. Plus, that doesn't even touch on the biggest part of the game, which is just, obviously, in our certain case, it's kind of hard to do multiplayer because, you know, obviously you can't have people over. But you obviously still can expand on that to do the multiplayer aspects as well. Uh, the first summer I got this game, I played this more than anything else on my GameCube. I, I would think so. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Um, this game, you, you, it can consume you. I mean, this, this is the type of game. There's just so many different things to do in it that it's like once you get burned out and playing against other people, it's like okay, I'm just gonna go do some of the target practice, try and get, try and beat some of uh, the trophy matches or some of the challenges. I think they're called. It's just, it's got such a, a wide, wide variety of things to do that I felt was lacking on the newest one, um, which I think they've added a lot of that since. But I, I did enjoy some of the, the single-player aspects of the original one. Cool. Okay, uh, my number two is um, you got to have a Civilization game on this list. <laughs> so, so Civ Four. Uh, it is. I, it's been a long time since I've played Civ Four, but I mean, it's a Civ game. This game is notorious for people just sinking hours and hours and hours into. And not only that, but but sinking hours at a time and not realizing that, oh, hey, like the sun's coming up, for instance, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you probably are, are, are already familiar with the, Civ, with the Civ series. It's a turn-based strategy uh, game where you are building up your civilization from, you know, like not quite the Stone Age, but, uh, you know, the, the early dawnings of, of a real civilization up to modern day. And uh, you're kind of, uh, you know, you're building up your military, you're advancing your culture and your science and making sure you're, you know, you're managing your resources properly and all this kind of stuff. 
um, randomized maps. So it's always, you never know like what countries you're going to be next to or what resources are going to be nearby or bodies of water and that kind of stuff. Famous series. Again, I know probably every single person listening to this is well aware of what the Civ series is, but uh, it's a, it's a great series to um, spend tons of time on and just really get some, just really get like sucked into. And also, so it does also sort of have that, um, quality that I mentioned railroad tycoon two does where it's like after a while you can kind of, it's sort of fun to sit back and like, look at the whole civilization you've built up and see how big it is. Um, you know, at the same time that you're also strategizing and deciding how you want to build out your civilization and stuff like that. So super fun series, super famous series, uh, for, for a very good reason. And it's a solid time waster. Cool. Good choice. Um, my number two in honor of, of the recent release, um, this is going to be the original Animal Crossing. So obviously the, the new one came out. Um, so the old one, the old one is, is, uh, is a game that you can eat up tons and tons of time doing. I mean, there's just so much that you can do from, you know, fishing to catching bugs to doing quests for people in town to, you know, decorating your, your house and, and doing all these different aspects of it that can eat up a ton of time. So the original Animal Crossing, the first however many months that I got it, I was playing almost every day because each day new things happen. And then around holidays and events, different things happen as well, that there's just always something to do um, that it, it's enjoyable. I mean, it's a very relaxing game, kind of the same way I was talking about Pokemon. It's, it's one of those games you can just kind of pick up and relax. There's not a lot of stress and, you know, you know, there's certain games that, that require a lot of brain power. This isn't necessarily one of them. Um, and it's just kind of nice to relax too. So. Oh yeah. That's a good one. Any, yeah. any particular installment you're going to go for? I guess, I guess it would be the game. The original one. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say, I think that's the only one that would qualify for, yeah. for our uh, cut up. And the first one's the one I probably enjoy the most, I would say. Oh, really? Okay. Okay, cool. My number one is going to be SimCity. Basically, any of them um, <laughs> up to SimCity 4. But specifically, I'm going to go with... If i got to pick one, I'm going to go with SimCity 2000. That's always been my favorite. Um, for the same reason I said about the other stuff. It's just... It's fun to just build out your city and watch it become... You know, watch it grow from a few little buildings here and there to this sprawling, you know, network of roads and train tracks and water pipes and everything and just watch it grow and get huge over time. Um, it's like, you can just sit there and play it and just be like, Oh, where am I going to put my next residential area? Oh, sweet. Now I get a bigger fucking, I don't know, hospital. Let's put this here. Mm-hmm. It's just really fun to, to see how it builds out and to, uh, and to watch it grow the whole time. This was for me, my actual first and possibly only, I don't remember this may have happened with Grand Theft Auto, but it was my first experience with, uh, of, uh, my first actual experience where I literally had the, oh crap, the sun's coming up, <laughs> uh, situation. I was at my, oh friend's- yeah. Oh, I've definitely had that before. <laughs> I was at my friend's house playing it, uh, shortly after it first came out. We were in, um, we were in elementary school, I, I guess still, and, uh, probably sixth, sixth grade. And I was, I was playing it. He had just got it and we, you know, we had been playing it. He fell asleep. So when he fell asleep, I I started playing it some more and I just got so sucked into it that I do. I literally remember looking out the window and seeing that the sun was coming up and be like, holy shit. I cannot believe I just actually played this game all night long. (laughs) So yeah, definitely a solid choice. If you got tons of time on your hands, especially if you've never played it before, it's such a great series. As I said, 
SimCity 1 or SimCity 2000 or 3000 or 4, any of them, they're, they're all winners. You can't go wrong with any of them. SimCity 4 is a little bit harder than the rest. So if you if you haven't played one before, maybe don't start with that one. But uh, from, 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 for me, uh, SimCity 2000 is my favorite. And uh, it's just such a great series. It's a good choice. I, I think that's a good one to, to eat up a lot of time. Yeah. Um, surprisingly, my number one is not is not WoW Classic, which is the obvious. Oh, obvious wow. Play. I didn't even think about that. Uh, yeah, I mean, that is the obvious. You want to talk about games. Of, so right. the classic WoW for me, the, when, when it first came out, a couple of a year and a half ago or whatever it was, not even a year and a half ago. What the hell am I talking about? It was eight months ago. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, it, so the concern was, oh, shit, the sun's coming up. It was, oh, shit. I see the sun come up twice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's what it was like. Okay, okay, we got to stop playing for. We got to at least sleep for a few. Could hours. be a problem. That's, yeah, we got a problem. Um, so no. So my number one. I'm just kind of diverting away from from that. Is is Heroes of Might Magic Three? Um, over the course of however many months we've been playing. Now we we've started to slow down a little bit right now, um, just because we're playing some other things. But when that when you start playing that game, I mean, I've talked about before. The large maps can take you know 10, 20 five hours to play so when you start playing a game you're like i don't want to stop because i know if i stop i'm not going to want to load this game and continue to, to keep playing so it's like let's just play a full map and then it's like holy shit it's 8 a.m we're still playing we should probably go to bed well okay let's do a few more turns okay okay wait i just want to kill this guy okay okay oh it's noon oh shit okay we should probably go to bed just a few more turns okay okay <laughs> let's go do this one thing real quick maybe we can finish the map let's just sprint to finish it's 4 p.m we should probably go to bed <laughs> Damn, yep. uh, here's my here's my magic. You have the multiplayer, which is the the best part about it. But the single player is great too. I mean, even the even the the um, campaigns are great. Um, the they are very lengthy. I mean, each campaign there's I think there's like four or five different campaigns. I would estimate they each take twenty five to thirty hours each. So um, that you have that you have all the custom maps people created. You can download mods that people added to it as well, which just keeps adding and adding and adding to it. So I mean, th- this game I could easily spend you know a couple weeks worth of time just just playing through these. Um, so yeah. Nice. I like it. Yeah. Okay. So next, our, our next top five for the next episode is going to be the games that we, uh, out of the current round of finalists, the five games that we would pick to be inducted into the world video game hall of fame. And I had that. Oh, okay. The list, uh, one more time so that you have it is, uh, the, the 10 games that are the finalists are bejeweled centipede frogger. Goldeneye, Guitar Hero, King's Quest, the first one specifically, uh, Minecraft, NBA Jam, Snake for Nokia phones, Super Smash Brothers <laughs> Melee, Uncharted 2 Among Thieves, and Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego? They are going to pick five of these to uh, induct into the World Video Game Hall of Fame, and we are going to pick five that we think should be uh, inducted. I like it. I love these ones. These are always fun. There's usually a lot of similarities, but I also like to talk about it. I really do have fun with these two. Yeah, I agree. I'm going to link you this, by the way, so you have it uh, in here. Thank you. And um, it's time for emails. Okay, first one comes in from Father Beast. In fact, Jay, I'll have you go ahead and take this one. 
if that's oh, all right thanks, with you. Robert. I appreciate it. No, I'll pull it up right now. You have the um oh yeah there okay cool father beast says hello classic gamers this is father beast before i get to the top five i have to say damn you jay i heard you talking about horn of the abyss for heroes three which by the way chase messaged me and installed and is playing it so just <laughs> horn of the nice. abyss which damn. is the, the heroes three mod and i went and checked it out i discovered that it will run fine it, it will run fine on my old Windows XP machine downstairs, and three evenings just disappeared. <laughs> this fan-made add-on is everything you said, and damn, it sucks up my time. Speaking of our top five, right? Yep. Um, anyway, the category is games you play while you're stuck in quarantine and have lots of extra time. I should note that I don't actually have all the extra time as my company supplies to one of those essential services, in parentheses, box companies, and we are still running for a while at least. I'm in the same boat. I'm working a ridiculous amount of hours. So. Um, and though they are even trying to make sure we all get 40 hours a week. We'll see how long that continues. Top five games to play while you're stuck at home. Number five, Minecraft. I've meaning to do a major project where I build the island of Tar Valen, or Valen, oh, from the Wheel of, uh, Wheel of Time book series, complete with a park at the center with a way gate, which will be a nether gate to a system of shortcuts to other places I've explored. It will take some time, though. Uh, number four, Elder Scroll Four Oblivion. Uh, oh, excuse me, Elder Scroll Oblivion, not number four. Uh, really, any of no, the that, Elder that Scrolls games four. will do, but... Uh, say that again? Oblivion Oh, it is four. four. Yeah, yeah, it is. You're right. I'm sorry. I, I was thinking because I just saw the number next to it, so... Okay. Uh, but Oblivion is next for me after I finish Morrowind. Uh, as it says, in a review for Morrowind, I saw it's like an MMORPG without the pesky MMO part. <laughs> That's a good point. Number three. Huh. I didn't actually give have five games written down. This space is intentionally left blank. Okay. Number two. Robert, you like this? Civilization Four. <laughs> uh, I could put mod I could put mods in that give me a ridiculously huge map and a time scale that makes Marathon look like a short game. This won't be a quick conquer of the world. It will be it will it will be a place to live while I run my empire. Let, let me let me and, let me if you don't mind let me interject real quick. No, that is exactly how I like to play Civilization: huge map and super long time scale. Um, because I like to first of all I like for it to take a really long time. Uh, again. It's like, uh, it's not just a quick conquer the world. It's like, oh, I'm actually building up an empire that, I, that I'm like sort of living in while I'm doing it um, and just watching it kind of slowly grow. It gives a really kind of a grander scope and grander feel to the game. And, and huge maps are also really fun because it's really fun to be playing a Civ game for a very long time, but like still being able to find new places that haven't been, you know, colonized yet and things like that and, and still have that, you know, I, I get bored if it's like, okay, 20 minutes in everybody's, you know, colonized everywhere. There's nowhere else yeah. to go really. Um, I like having, you know, being hours in and be like, Oh shit, I found this Island now. Let's go, you know, let's go take this place over and colonize it. It's a, uh, yeah. So I'm totally with you on, on both those counts. I like huge maps, long games. That's what your Tinder profile would say. <laughs> Uh, Father Beast goes on to say, number one, Heroes Chronicles complete. Heroes of Might and Magic 3 was so popular that they made this series of campaigns that were set in the game. They even made a couple more that you could download for free if you had at least three of the separately sold campaigns and another that you could get if you had even more, which is supposed to be a capstone to the whole saga. You can get the whole thing on GOG for fairly cheap. Of course you can, because GOG's wonderful. There, now Jay has, has his time sucked up. Take that. <laughs> That's actually a good point. I didn't know that was a thing, so thank you for that. Uh, Father Beast closes out by saying, we'll be listening for the next one, Father Beast. 
Awesome. Super solid list. Thank you, Father Beast. Yeah, I like that a lot, actually. Next one. I'm very happy. I'm very happy to see this this email. Uh, this is from Jonathan, who hasn't written in in quite a while, but he, uh, Jonathan is the resident archivist who has um, counted oh, yeah. the times I've said like, uh, among other things. So, Jonathan, it's good to hear from you. Let's see what you have to say. He says, uh, hello, all. It's it's been a sorry. It's been a while since you've heard from me, but I'm still listening and enjoying hearing the podcast as it continues to evolve in a positive direction. I'm also a strong supporter of every show you have with guests as it only increases the camaraderie and fun during each show. I'm glad to hear you say that. It is good to hear feedback on whether uh, yeah, people actually like for us to have guests. Hoping everyone is staying safe during this time. I'm able to work from home and have been deemed essential training for DOD. But my uh, wife was laid off and we had to pull my son from daycare. So we are feeling these woes. Oh, I'm sorry to hear about that. Jonathan. I'm sorry to hear that. I know a couple people that are, that are feeling kind of the same stuff. So yeah, sorry to hear that. That really sucks. I'd love to give you some excuses to explain my extended absence, but seeing how email superstar Chase the Night Cleaner finds his way into every episode, <laughs> my reasons will ultimately fall short. But to catch you up on some happenings in my life, I'm enjoying a nine-month-old mini-me in my life and the daily struggles that ensue. Congrats, Jonathan. Uh, question of the day. What app do you click on the most on your phone? Mine is either Hentai Lovers Are Us. Oh, God. <laughs> Hero, just kidding, Jeff. <laughs> I oh, guess that's that good. Jeff's Hentai experience. Or Sega Heroes, a match three game I've invested in daily for the last 18 months or so. Uh, oh, uh, yeah, Sega Huh, interesting. I'm not familiar with Sega Heroes. I have to check it out. Um, Jay, what app do you click on on your phone Recently, it would either be Google Chrome or the GP, GBA player that I was using to play Super Mario and Luigi Saga and Wario uh, Wear Ink. So, mine has got to be mine's probably yeah, mine's probably just like Safari. Yeah, uh, I was trying to think of a secondary answer because it's kind of boring. That was kind of boring. Let's see. Yeah. Besides Safari and besides my email, those are definitely the two. What's the other one? I'm, I'm going to take a quick look here. I know there's definitely like one at least that. I use a fair bit, but it, um, it's not coming to me at the moment. Uh, give me a second. I mean, maybe Twitter, I guess. <laughs> like I yeah, said, I was nothing... say, I'm actually, that's where I'm probably going to be soon. Nothing too interesting. Um, besides that, maybe the podcast app or maybe Arlo so I can check on my, uh, my the cameras around my house. That's about it. Oh, interesting creeper. <laughs> nothing, uh, nothing too interesting for me. He says, uh, I wasn't expecting to listen to the classic gaming podcast for seven plus hours. Oh no. A few weeks ago. But when Alex commands action from us, pedantic lackeys, we respond with haste. I, I don't remember what I think he's talking about. Snest drunk, Alex. I don't. Yes. Yeah, he's snest drunk here. I don't remember what Alex said. Um, Jonathan says, I had stopped counting likes because I felt that it was becoming overplayed and frankly, a bit mean. <laughs> Actually, I am thrilled that my little game did not derail you in any way as I would be sad if it somehow altered the content offered. But as no, I don't think even if I wanted to, I, I, at this point, I don't think there's anything I can do about the likes, Jonathan. So don't worry about that. But as previously stated, SNES drunk inspired me to come back strong at least one more time. 
Okay, I'm interested to see where where this is going. In episode 141, counting likes... Okay, he did count likes. Counting likes was immeasurably more fun due to Vaughn. He and Rob would each casually drop the word on a regular basis, but Josh and Jay had their fair share as well. So for this one, I chose to to track a collaborative use of the word instead of individual offenses. What I would have liked to see, and I'm not by any means saying go back and do this, but I think it would be interesting to um have to see who used them like like each like separated you know like 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 like. fuck me during the reading of mr s drunk's email in the following chatter 13 minutes the word was used 65 times (laughs) 13 minutes We add that number to the rest of the episode. If we add that number to the rest of the episode, the total number equals 589 instances of the word like. For a bit more fun, given the length of the podcast and the fluent use of the word, like was stated at an average of 2.93 times per minute. That's actually, honestly, less than I probably would have guessed. Yeah. Uh, In all fairness, though, you'd all do a lot of talking and trying to explain personal experiences to a wide variety of audience members uh, is not an easy task. The word like is used as a descriptor and is a great way to help others follow your idea stream. I think if I were having to talk about video games for several hours, I'd say it a lot, too. So I want to make a few. So I want to take a few minutes to talk about Final Fantasy VII after listening to the most recent episode. And since you didn't play the demo, I love turn based RPGs. What I don't love is the options Square gave us. Uh, in the demo, you can play turn-based, easy, uh, turn-based, parentheses, easy, or live-action, parentheses, normal. So I tried the normal version. Here's what I found. And, and I'll just add in here real quick that, yes, since since we did that episode, we talked about turn-based or, or live-action for the remake. Uh, I, I did a little, I did what research I could on for on what information is out there. And yeah, I, I, tur- I did find out that Apparently, the turn-based mode is kind of basically meant to be easy mode for the game, yeah. uh, whereas the you know the not the sort of more MMO style action uh, battle system is is the normal way. So that so I, I I'm going to go for the normal mode. Um, I've decided once I do get the game. He says, "Here's what I found: live action is a lot of fun. This is based on the demo, like Kingdom Hearts three or Final Fantasy fifteen. You control all the actions of your characters." ATB style bars fill up. Do you have any idea what that is? Uh, yeah. What's ATB? It's like the the bar that tells you how long to you get your next turn. Okay. ATB style bars fill up and allow you to pause the action and choose an item uh, or spell to cast on availability. While this sounds cool, I often found myself wanting to use an item but couldn't because the bar wasn't full. Others may not have an issue with this, but I'm used to being able to use items on command. I mean, I think it makes sense to have to wait because that's, you know, in a turn-based battle, it's not like you can just use an item whenever you got to wait till it's your turn. So it sounds like it's more or less, you know, the same kind of idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says, turn-based on the other hand, used an auto battle system and you simply controlled the character for the item slash spell moments when the ATB bars have filled. It doesn't slow the game down at all, but lets you strategize how to use skills accordingly based on how the battle is playing out. This seems like the ideal scenario for me, but I'm hoping they will allow us to play this way with the normal or hard modes too. I'd be interested to see what America thinks as the top 
uh, Final Fantasy characters. Oh yeah, we talked about that that poll that they that Square Enix did last time. He says, "I'll bet that the results would be quite different, especially if monsters were included. Cactuar and Chocobo are so popular. FF7 had some of the best characters, though. Barrett, Red Thirteen, and Vincent were badass. Uh, Final Fantasy Tactics had some really cool characters as well." But we will have to save Final Fantasy characters deep dive for another day. I was going to write in and give you my top five for last week about games which take too long to get going. But you guys nailed my top picks with Swickenden 3, Dragon Quest, and other RPGs that would have topped my list. However, the one that I'm, I'm interested, I'm glad to see him say Swickenden 3 here because I, I find I, I encounter so few people who have, who have actually played that game. Uh, he says, however, the one that wasn't mentioned was the Final Fantasy VII Remake. Seriously, you took the most boring, in parentheses, eight-hour part of the original game and fleshed it out to 40-plus hours. <laughs> uh, Final Fantasy VII really opens up when you leave Midgar and get to start exploring yep. the world. Now I have to wait another decade for that. Why, Sai, why isn't Chrono Trigger on the Switch yet? Oh, That's a good question. In the meantime, look up Sea of Stars, a classic-inspired RPG that Yasunori Mitsuda signed on to today, and Crimson Echoes. Both are Kickstarter projects, he says, I know, in parentheses, but they look absolutely promising. I'll check these out. Currently playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey and loving it. I heard really good things about it, yeah. Yeah. Um, Along with some adventure games on the Switch. Keep up the great work, and I'll try to write in a bit more often to Big J. Nice to hear from you, Jonathan. Yes. Thank you so much for writing in. Congrats on your child. I hope you guys are doing okay. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Yeah. And write in some more. Okay. And uh, last one. I'm going to give you this one because um, the title of the email is J. Horn of the Abyss is amazing. <laughs> wow. Oh, you, really, you really hit that one out of the park. I, I've got to let you guys know publicly I own a bunch of stocks in Horn of the Abyss. <laughs> this is from Chase the Night Cleaner, by the way. Oh, perfect. That's what I was going to talk about. Chase says, hello, gentlemen. How are you both today? I'm doing well. I'm safe. I'm home. I think Robert's in a similar boat. Uh, yeah. uh, Chase says, Chase the Night Cleaner here with, with an in no way sexually coded email to spray up into your inbox. That last thing made me made me think of my old job as a cleaner at a university. We oh, were no. clean residences, and I have to, I've got to say, some folks were savages. I'll paint the picture without many words. Using a putty knife to scrape the bottom of desks, and I wasn't scraping boogers. Stop. <laughs> Shifting away from that, Jay Horny Abyss is amazing mod for Heroes Three. When I have more spare time, I'm gonna go to town on this game. What a great find! And thanks for sharing last episode. Of course, I'm glad you're enjoying it, uh, Robert. I enjoyed listening to your talk about Railroad Tycoon 2. I played the heck out of that game when I was younger, but really didn't get how it worked. I bet trying it now would be really satisfying. I remember my father loving it. Uh, Which brings me to the question of the day. What is one game that you played regularly that also reminds you of your family? This could apply to siblings, parents, or even aunts and uncles, grandparents. Uh, for me, it's got to be Crash Bandicoot 2. It's the only game that I ever watched my dad beat. And as a kid, I was always really impressed because he 100%ed it. It was the only game I ever saw him play and beat. He played like <laughs> Tecmo Super Bowl, barely ever won, Punch-Out, never beat it. But for some reason, he just got so addicted to this game and he 100%ed it. That's awesome. That's that's hilarious when 
parents who don't play video games like get stuck on a game like they really get sucked into it you know Um, yeah four kids my mom was super pissed (laughs) um though i've got three that come to mind when i think of uh games that remind me of my family it's uh it's it's games that these are games that i used to play with my dad a lot uh when i was younger and one that comes to mind is monkey island i remember the first i remember bringing home monkey island and installing it and i i remember you know, starting off as Guybrush three put and him walking up and just saying, I want to be a mighty pirate. And then sitting there with my dad and just kind of playing around, just clicking on things, looking at stuff and us helping each other figure out the puzzles. That's one for <laughs> sure. Another one is uh Joe Madden football, basically like multiple oh, yeah. versions of Joe Madden football. I used to play against him in that all the time. I don't, he didn't really like it, but he just kind of, you know, played just to, you know, just cause I liked it. And, uh, he used to always get like legitimately angry because he thought like, you know, I pushed a and he didn't pass the ball. And, uh, that was kind of hilarious that he used to get so mad about a game that he didn't even really care about. But I played, uh, I played those games with him a lot as well. And then the other one is, uh, the golden act golden X one and two, the golden mm-hmm. X series. Uh, I think there was a third one. Maybe I'm not even sure about that, but we didn't play that one. We played the first two a lot. And, uh, I used to love that game and I, he, that, and he really liked that one too. It's just a, it's just a typical Sega Genesis beat em up game, but we played it a ton. We beat both of them and uh, we like, we both genuinely loved both of those games. So uh, yeah, those are the three for me. Those are the one just, other because I played them with him. Yeah. One other not so positive story, but pretty freaking funny is we played Mario party against each other. And I kid you not, like we were, fuck, we were fucking savages to each other. Like <laughs> we were just brutal to each other. Like, it, it was just atrocious. Like if somebody was winning, we would just all try to gang up on them to prevent them from winning and do some real shady shit. And my younger brother, who's six years younger than me, never won a game as a kid. And the one time he was on the verge of winning, my brother powered off the, I think it was game or I think it was N64. And my little brother freaked out, and it was it was awful. But it was like one of those, you know, it was one of those moments. It was just so ridiculous. But that's anyways. that's pretty brutal. I know it was pretty funny. Though. I still bring it up. All the time. Uh, Chase goes on to say, "Well, here's a Might Magic Two and Three remind me of the great times with my friends. There's an old turn-based war game for PC called Empire Deluxe that my father loved, and I would always catch him playing late at night. Empire Empire established the great but simple premise that it is." that is the literal backbone for memorable war games like Advanced Wars and Wargroove. My dad and I would play this game all the time, hot seat, but it was one of those long burns. I don't know if my dad ever won a game of Empire Deluxe, Empire Deluxe, but I never have. Uh, and that's it for me, gentlemen. As always, thank you for what you do and for this sweet little section of your show. Cheers, and don't worry about the mess. That's what they pay me for, Chase the Night Cleaner. God, thanks for that, Chase. Yeah, I appreciate that so much. Yeah, I'll bet you do, Robert. <laughs> After the DOA. <laughs> Thank you, Chase. Thank you, everybody, for writing in. Uh, write us in your emails, mail at classicgamingpodcast.com. Again, if you want to give us your top five, it's uh, the top five games that we want uh, inducted into the um, World Video Game Hall of Fame from the from the nominees that I mentioned earlier. Let's do a quick current gaming subcast, Jay. What have you been playing recently? A lot of Animal Crossing. Uh, okay, you have been playing. got it. Yeah, Lisa got it, and I've been playing quite a bit. It's very fun. Um, if you um, if you're thinking about getting it, it's very good. If you enjoyed the original one, you'll enjoy it. Um, it's it's definitely a little bit more new agey the, in certain aspects, but I think they did a great job. Um, very similar to the Wario game I talked about. It's very charming. Uh, there's a lot to do, and it, it's very fun. Very grindy. Um, 
The other thing that I'm getting ready to play for anybody who's going to play the new Amazon MMO comes into beta next uh, Tuesday, I want to say, or sometime next week. Um, oh, which really? Yeah, it's called New World. If you happen to take a look at any like MMOs, um, I encourage you guys to do so because it looks very interesting. So, and it has a massive budget, so they're going to do endless shit with it because it's Amazon. You're gonna, so you're gonna go for it. You're gonna. I already bought it. I'm just waiting. For oh, it. did the you? Beta opens. I think it opens. I hopefully I'm thinking next week is is what's rumored, and then it comes out May 26th. So. Okay. Cool. Well, I is that all you got? Yep. I've also been playing Animal Crossing. I <laughs> the, man, so I played the, the 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 only other Animal Crossing game that I've played is the one on 3ds. Um, New Leaf. New Leaf, yeah. And because yeah. my daughter had that, and she wanted me, me to play a little bit, of, and I played some, and like got tired of it pretty quickly. Yeah, it's kind of my experience with New Leaf was. Yeah. Okay. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I, I like the first one more than I like New Leaf. What did, what was the difference to you? Because that like I said, that's I the only other tell one. You. Okay. I couldn't tell. It's one of those things that like people ask me, I couldn't fucking tell you. There are certain games like I just don't like certain games for some reason, and I cannot tell you. Like like I was talking about Fallout earlier. Fallout Four. If you put a gun in my head and told me, tell me why you don't like this game, I cannot tell you, but I don't like it. It just it just doesn't do it for me. Okay. Well, yeah. So I didn't care for that one, and I and but it's funny because it doesn't feel too much different than this one yeah. does. Um. I just remember playing it and being like, so all I'm doing is just catching bugs and like buying a new house. Like, you know, what's, what's fun, you know, basically. (laughs) But so, uh, I got animal crossing for my daughter because we were at home for spring break with nothing else, you know, with nothing to do. And, um, so she played it some and I was like, you know, she started a town. She's, she's the main player on the game. So the town is hers. And, uh, she started town and played for a little while and I was like, you know, I'll, I'll create a character and have a little house and stuff. And man, I've got so fucking sucked into this game. I don't know <laughs> what the difference is, but I'm just like, I couldn't tell you. yeah, I don't know what the difference is, but I, you know, actually I say, okay, I take it back. I think a big part of it is that I'm playing it, you know, obviously in the same town as her and it's fun to like build up my house in like my little area of the town even. Oh yeah. And kind of like have somebody to share it with, have somebody to like see what I've done, you know? Yep. Um, if she, if I didn't have her also playing it, I really don't think I would be half as interested in the game as I am. Mm. Um, I can't say that for sure, but that's really how it feels. Cause every time I do something, it's like, Oh, I can't wait till she sees this, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so for me, I really think that's what it is. If I didn't have my daughter also playing the game with me, I just probably would have played for a few hours or I probably, you know, I wouldn't have bought it in the first place, first off. But if I did have it, I probably would have played for a few hours and been like, okay, that's cute. And been done with it. Um, but as it is, it's like, I'm getting on every day. I'm like doing chores to get nook miles. I'm yep. catching fucking butterflies and fish and stuff so I can uh, sell them because just about, well, not everything, but just about everything that I catch nowadays, we already have donated to the museum. I'm going around looking for bottles that have washed up on the shore, so they have a to see if they have a cool yeah, a DIY uh, recipe. Yeah, cool DIY recipe. I'm digging around for fossils. I am uh, going and talking to all the townspeople to see if they have anything cool to give me or anything interesting to say. There was a guy that showed up today. I looked. There's a guy that showed up today that was uh, that was new. That is that loves bugs and he'll oh yeah 
I mean, was buy he him a, for a really good price. Yeah, he'll buy him for a really good price, and if you give him three of a kind, he'll draw. He'll do. He'll make yep. a painting for you. I, I don't have that guy right now. I, I have a different guy, but yeah, I know what you're talking about. There was a camel that showed up a few days. Oh, he, yeah. he, he showed up Carver. twice so far, and he sh- he sells like crazy wallpapers, but he but he, but you yeah. don't get to pick. All you know is that if you buy one from him, he's going to pick out a crazy wallpaper to give you. I bought one. That's awesome. It makes everything in the room look like server racks. Um, <laughs> I What else? Like It's everything in this game. It's just it's like, oh, I'm just going to run around and do chores and then see like how cool my house can be. There's the turnip market, which is fucking killer. Yep. On yep. Sundays, a turnip seller comes to town. And the turnips always go for a different price, but it's usually right around a hundred dollars or a hundred bells per turnip. But you can only buy them in in, uh, in groups of ten, and um, in like stacks of ten, basically. But what happens is there's a store in town, and they buy turnips from you, and sometimes the price is lower than what you paid for, and sometimes it's higher. So it's they call it in the game they call it the stock market. And so, yeah. obviously, what you want to do is buy turnips and uh, and sell them for more than you bought them for. So, like every, you know, I'll buy stuff throughout the week, but kind of generally save up my money, my my money, and then especially on Saturday, I I'll like buy as very little as I can and save up as much money as possible, and then on Sunday I'll dump it all into turnips. I'll just buy as many turnips as 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 money I have, <laughs> and then I'll like wait for the right time to sell them during the week. And sometimes you might get burned because you might wait too long, and then. You know, the rest of the days of the week, they'll be uh, cheaper and you have to sell them by the end of the week. Um, so uh, that's been that's been tons of fun. Uh, like building out my house has been really cool. So every day the store has different things that they're selling. So you go there and check and see what's you know, what they have. We also recently and, and so I'm sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself, getting too excited. Um, and so like you, you go there and be like, oh, hell yeah, they have a fucking canister of like protein powder I bought today <laughs> and I put that on top of one of my fish tanks in my house I bought a tea set which was one of the first things that I got for it um and I love like buying that stuff and going and like just decorating my house and be like oh hey Mallory or Mallory I don't know this is I have this weird thing where I call my daughter by my sister's name sometime I don't know what the fuck is up with that <laughs> but uh, I'll be like hey Catherine come on and uh I'll be like hey come you got to come see this new stuff that I put in my house like I got a new fucking like table, you know, or like a plant or a rug or something like that. Or like in this case, a tea set. You're so hooked. I love it. <laughs> I got a rice cooker. Um, yeah, at least I got a rice cooker. I got a, one of the characters gave me a bidet. I have a bidet and a urinal in my living room. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> and uh, we'd also just got, um, you know, the guy, the blue hedgehog that comes to sound to yeah. town and sells clothes. Well, has he set up a store in you, in your town yet? No, not yet. Yeah. Not okay. Yet. Well, we just got him to do that. If you buy enough, if you, Spend enough money, I think, then he eventually sets up a whole store that you can go to yep. every day. Every day I go and buy like three outfits at the store because they have rotating stuff there too. <laughs> Today I bought like a samurai outfit and then a, like a waiter's outfit and like some just like random like dumbass looking t-shirt that I thought looked funny. It is, I can't get, like this game is fucking awesome. It's <laughs> It's so much fun. And I, like I said, I probably wouldn't even be playing it if I didn't have somebody else to like see my stuff because then it's like, what's the point? But, um, as it is, I have been having a hell of a time with this game. Lisa's been playing a shit ton. (laughs) It is awesome. She bought her own switch. She bought her own switch for it. Not even joking. 
She bought the Animal Crossing Switch. Oh, I was about to ask. She got the. Uh, that's it's so awesome. Cute. It's so cute. It's so fucking cute. It has that Timmy is... and Tommy and Nook on it. It's so cute. It's like a uh, pastel color. <laughs> that is so. Yeah, I've seen the colors. Uh, I, I saw that. I had a picture too. I didn't really pay much attention, but yes, I've I've glanced at it and it looks Great awesome. Game. We just had a, an alligator move into our town. He's so hilarious <laughs> looking. Man, the game is so much fun. Um, yep. Aside from that, I finished the I finished Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Um, oh, cool. It was a short good game. game, huh? It's a short game, I've heard. It was, you know, it wasn't as short as I was led to believe. Let me see what my time okay. on was. I've got. I heard it was about like twenty to twenty-five hours. Uh, okay, yeah, that, that's about right six. then. Yeah, that, that that sounds about right. Yeah, um, Sixty-dollar title, you expect to get a little bit more, you know? Well, I don't. I don't. I honestly would have liked it to be a little bit shorter. For me, I would. I kind of like to be, you know, done with it. If it's a, if it's an action game, that's a little that's more straightforward. You know, if it's like gotcha. a sim game or a strategy game, yeah, give me all the time in the world. But for like linear stories, I, I do kind of like mine to be a little bit shorter. That's just a personal preference. Uh, for me, this was a solid game. I started off loving it, and then as the game went on, um, it didn't do too many things new. Like you do unlock new abilities and stuff all throughout the game, which is cool. But everything basically, like the combat basically stays the same. It's just like you have new new abilities here and there. You're doing kind of the same stuff throughout the whole game in general. The story overall is really good. And some of the story beats, I think, were really cool. Uh, the 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 main villain of the game was really awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not really anything bad about the game except for, as Vaughn said when he was on here, the Wookiees look fucking terrible. Uh, that's it. Super solid game. For me, it went on a little bit too long because it didn't add enough new stuff in as it was going along. But I also don't really love action games in general, so that's probably specific to me. It, it was a super solid game. And finally, I won't talk about it too long because I know we have been talking forever, but I, I caved in and bought Civ Six. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, that's right. I've been seeing you been playing that. That's right. Holy shit. Like, I, I don't know what happened, but I all of a sudden just had this itch. I like had the insatiable desire to play Civ Six. I honestly don't know where it came from because when I started playing uh, Europa Universalis Four a couple, like I guess two two years ago was when I first got that game, got super sucked into it. I was like, "This is what people graduate from Civ into." I was like, "I don't, I could never go back to Civilization because this game is so in depth. Um, Civ can't live up to this." That was how I felt. Until I randomly got the Civic and I was like, you know what? I really want to play Civ 6. don't know why, but I'm feeling it. And I have been fucking hooked on this game. And really what it comes down to is they're just different games. They're both, you know, historical strategy games, but that's, that's it. That Those are the only similarities they have. And I knew that because I had played, you know, Civ 4 and 5 before I had played uh, Europa Universalis 4. But um, what I kind of forgot about was... The fun, you know, playing Europa Universalis, it's a fucking amazing game. I still do consider it a better game. But what I, like, didn't really consider was that Civ Six. it's not so much about, uh, you know, the Civ games aren't so much about kind of like role-playing an empire and trying to do these really difficult, you know, really, you know, real history-specific things. They're more about, like, exploring and having a randomized game every time. And of course, winning is a big part of it too. But um, I forgot like how fun it is to like spend the whole fucking game exploring. Like I kind of talked about on having huge maps, finding new islands that haven't been colonized yet. You know, seeing 
who's around you, figuring out what the world looks like as you play and advancing your technology and stuff, of course, at the same time. Um, this one is super awesome and it's really hooked me more than the previous Civ games have because I feel like doing a non-military focused playthrough is so much more viable in this game than in any of the previous ones. There, especially now, certainly in Civ Five and probably even before that, but I know that they had done a good job of starting to move away to where you didn't have to just, you know, conquer everybody with your military. But for me, that's how it ultimately ended up going, and that was a part where I ended up kind of getting a little bored. Civ Six does a fantastic job of really making you, uh, really allowing you to be able to play however you want. Um, like I said, I know Civ Five tried that, but for me, they didn't really succeed very well. Civ six does. And, um, and again, it has the classic staples of Civ, which is, you know, constantly, you know, maybe not constantly, but starting off, not knowing what's what, not knowing where anybody is, where anything is, what the land looks like around you. See, you know, sir, uh, like searching the land, kind of seeing what, what the landscape around you is like, where other countries are, seeing how they build out, what kind of countries they become, um, and it's got the classic, like one more turn problem. It's like, Oh, I got to yep. do this here. All right. This, okay. I got to move this guy. It's got the little thing in the corner where like, it's like click the next to get the next thing that you need to do. Okay. I need to research a new technology. Oh, I need to start building something new in this city. Cause they just finished building whatever it is that they were. If I want to, I need, I want to micromanage where my population is working the land. Uh, I've got my governors to worry about. I'm, I'm managing religion stuff. I'm man- managing culture stuff. I'm managing fucking trade routes and spies and relations with other countries. And, and then there's the military stuff too, of course. And, you know, what what cultural things I want to focus on in advance, what technological things I want to focus on in advance. There is so much going on. And you're constantly like, oh, okay, just, okay, I did that. Oh, just one more turn because I want to see what happens next. All right, I did that. Oh, just yeah. one more time. I have, I bought it. Two weeks ago, I think. Does that sound about right when I talked to you about it? Yeah. I just checked Steam and I have played 58 hours so far. Oh, but you definitely have a problem, my friend. I have a problem. And that's 58 hours that I've managed to squeeze in uh, despite also playing Animal Crossing a shit ton. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, this game has really got its, its teeth into me. And I don't regret it. So Civ Six is a solid recommend if you uh, if you haven't played it and you think you might uh, be interested in it. Killer game! I'm I'm so glad to play it. I I, I just can't get enough of it right now. <laughs> and I think that's finally going to do it for this episode of the Classic Gaming Podcast. Our next top five, as I said, is the top five games for the uh, out of that list of the uh, World of Video Game Hall of Fame nominees. Our game of the mm-hmm. quarter is Beautiful Joe. We'll be talking about that um, definitely at the end of June, possibly a little bit here and there before then. We'll, we'll see. Uh, leave us amazing reviews on iTunes. Please tell all your friends to listen to us. Send us emails, mail at classicgamingpodcast.com. You can tell, talk to us about your top five or just whatever the hell you want. Follow us at Class Games Cast. You can follow me. I'm uh, at King Octavius. Um, we are part of the HP video game podcast network. Check out their other shows as well. Jay, anything else uh, before we head out? Nope. Stay six feet apart. Or now they're saying 12 to 18 feet apart. Oh, is that true? I hadn't heard that. 
Yeah, they're 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 finding in certain cases that coronavirus is spreading within twelve to eighteen feet. Man, holy fuck, they're, that's that's insane. Actually, that's why that's why they put that thing out to, to tell everybody to start wearing masks. I mean, take it seriously. Yeah, especially if you live in some of the harder hit states right now. Right. Yeah, stay safe. Stay away from everybody. Stay inside, and uh, I hope everybody's doing well. We'll be back in three weeks with uh, the next episode of the Classic Gaming Podcast. We'll see you guys then. Take care.